0: That's this week's episode seconds. of the Paranormal North Bank Consciousness Podcast. I'm your host, Grant Cameron. Hoping that you will join me. Okay, 15 are a Let's to on YouTube in books 11, and my Facebook 10, sites 9, are the show notes. If you the podcast I learn side. something valuable, we'd like for you to subscribe the If you would like, this is in the future, please let us know. Until next time, watch this space. Thank you. So much for this and as Apollo 11 does its role program, this, year, this podcast is, uh, now does
1: its role program. The tape is rolling. Good morning, good afternoon, good his, evening, wherever uh, you are in the world. The hermetic penetrator My name is Grant Cameron that, and uh, you're listening to the
0: Paranormal like UFO really, Consciousness Podcast. Uh, Loose
1: Thank you for taking time from your life you know a lot of ufo uh, secret programs but the people that have been trying to penetrate them over the last several decades um so in in regards to that i guess uh richard we can start with you because you actually interviewed omega on your channel which was uh, i mean it was an absolutely excellent overview um so what, what are some of your
2: thoughts reflecting on that now the- I was really impressed by him. And, you know, I said it on my program, but I'll just say it here. You, James, were the guy who connected us. So, uh, I, you know, I'm very grateful to you for that. Uh, I was very gracious for you to to uh, ask me to interview this gentleman. And it really was very uh, a, a very good interview. So what he and his colleague did um Basically, they did their own kind of research, deep dive into a number of uh, documents that a lot of us have been talking about. So obviously, the Wilson Davis notes, they did a close look at that. A lot of other people have done that, but they did their own. They looked at uh, some of the notes of the guys who attended the uh, Advanced Theoretical Physics Working Group meeting. So Jack Hauk, Melinda knows all about those notes, of course, and um, Oak Shannon, Grant, and we've, we've all discussed all of these notes. They've been out recently. So those those were examined and then they they did um they did a, a couple of uh analyses of some of the FOIA documents, one in particular on John Greenwald's Black Vault. And then what they did a lot of was just analyzing recent or or even sometimes old interviews, people like Jacques Vallée, um Eric Davis, you know the usual suspects that whole group. and what they ended up doing, I feel was, <clears throat> They did more than just validate Davis Wilson notes. I mean, that's been done. We all kind of know those, those are the real deal. But I think the, one of the main things they did that was fascinating was to look at the importance of John Alexander's ATP, the Advanced Theoretical Physics uh, Working Group starting 1985 and a uh, couple of things. So one, their, their basic thing was like everything or a lot that came out of those meetings is with us to this day. They actually argued without that group, you probably don't get NIDS, you probably don't get ATIP, you probably don't get to the Stars Academy. Y- you can argue one way or the other, but that's actually what they both they suggested. And then the other thing that struck me as uh, just off the top really interesting was the importance that remote viewing as a tool was for a lot of these people to try to get into the UFO mystery. Uh, you're talking about, you know, super brilliant well plugged in, guys with security clearances galore. Uh, They're all interested in UFOs and they're asking, how do we find out about this? Well, remote viewing is a tool. And so they pointed out, you know, Putoff talked about remote viewing as a tool in those uh, 1985 meetings. And um, so that was interesting. And, And I mean, there's more, I'm sure it'll come out as we get into this discussion. But I think they, they did a really good job in uh, making a historical case for the importance of what happened in the 80s, uh, for the importance of remote viewing. Uh, God, there's more. And uh, I <laughs> it, it'll come to me as we're talking. But yeah. it, it was very well done. And I know that uh, that gentleman, Omega Point, was recently interviewed by uh, Jimmy Church. And he may have done some other shows at this point as well.
3: well it's- probably worth my jumping in super quick, just to say last night, him, he and I, Omega and I had a nice long phone conversation. It wasn't necessarily intended. He had texted me about something and I replied. And then I realized to really answer him, it was going to be a longer conversation. I said, do you have time right now? He said, yeah, well, we ended up talking for, you know, at least an hour, maybe two. It was really great. And uh, you know, of course what they did with their paper is, is stupendous. Uh, absolutely, in their research. Of course, I told him that. But what's kind of a little interesting is he got into the stuff that they were afraid to put in there, <laughs> the stuff that was kind of pushing the envelope too far. So I think there'll be a, a second follow-up. I'm going to greatly encourage him to go into those areas and, and do a follow-up. And anything I can do to help them and give them information, I will.
0: More yeah, secrets, sure. Melinda. More secrets? What the hell is <laughs> first, just, first, you just. got a special guest tonight. Now you're gonna you're gonna
1: go through this. Wait, <laughs> Wait who's the what special guest?
0: I'm
3: kidding. I'm no, kidding. No, no, no. For,
1: We're not gonna talk about that, guys. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, all
3: I'll, I'll say since that just got mentioned, we are recording that I am taking someone on my tour. That's tonight. That but that's it. So I can't say anymore until really? I have his permission to do so. You
2: can that give us an important, initials. powerful person. Initials. yes important. yes any no 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 i can you guys i
3: I'm know not, i'm not gonna blow I, it <laughs>
1: for, for people listening to the loose threads i'm gonna have linked in the description so everybody can read it and must read it and has to read it because if, if you don't, haven't read that you're probably not up to speed on in in the contextualization of where we are today and why yeah. and how so i I'm, i can't emphasize enough that people need to read this um, you know, incredible work by Omega Point and the Hermetic Penetrator. That's right. um, so, uh, Melinda, um, yes. you know, you you were kind of right in the middle of that whole storm at, as it was brewing, actually, with Jack Houck and and some of those people. So, you know, from your perspective, back then, I mean, did you had you foreseen it coming to this point where it is today? From ba- when you were oh, back?
3: No, no, absolutely not. I mean, back when I. Um, oh, gosh, it's such a long story. It, it all started, at first, I've been, been in the research field for 34 years now, going on 34 years. But it was at some point, I think, mid-90s. I'd have to really think about that to get the absolute date. Uh, I do have it somewhere in some notes and, and can look that up. But I went to a MUFON Los Angeles meeting, and the speaker was Ed Dames speaking about remote viewing. And at the end of the presentation, now what Ed didn't know at the time is I was uh, taking a remote um, viewing class, if you will, from Jack Hauk. And uh, and had known him for years. Had met him through his PK parties, his psychokinesis spoon bending parties, which I now also teach. But that's originally how I met him, and I knew a little bit about his background with McDonald Douglas, and I knew he was Bob Wood's boss at McDonald Douglas, and you know, so there certain things that I knew. But so I go to this talk by Ed. He, I stand up at the mic at the end and say something about. Jack How's way of teaching versus Ed's teaching. Uh, what Jack was kind of doing was back what they originally developed at SRI was sending like outbounders out and you know stuff like that. Not so much the official military profiles. And of course Ed had went on to do SciTech and do his own version. Um, Kind of building on it in a different way, and so while he was talking about that, I asked about Jack's techniques, and he goes, "Oh, Jack's is completely different, blah blah blah." And that was that. So it was just a quick question at the mic thing, and then at the end of the talk, I hang out back in the room because I knew a bunch of the you know people involved with Move on LA, and I go to leave. Well, there's this narrow entrance to the parking lot. From where they used to have their things, and Ed is standing there with a group of people, and I—it was—he'd been all done and left like what I thought was like a half hour earlier, and yet he's standing there, you know, holding court with a group of people, and he says to me as I go through the gate, I'm just saying excuse me to go by. I have friends actually waiting for me at Denny's, you know, and uh, and he stops me and he goes, so you know Jack Hawk. Well, you guys, that was the beginning of a journey that takes me to being here right now. I mean. It, the stuff he told me then blew my mind. It was like saying Jack was a member of MJ-12. I mean, that's how it came across. He mentioned other members. I think why at the time, I thought, why is Ed telling me this? And after he does all this, he then says, are you going to see Jack soon? You know, how often do you talk to him? And I said, yeah, I don't talk to him that often. I might see him. Well, <laughs> I wasn't about to admit to Ed that I knew the very next day I had another class with Jack. He was teaching them in Anaheim at a center. So I went the next day and confronted Jack about what everything Ed told me about the group. And Jack went ballistic. Anyway, so this is a huge involved story. That's the shortest version I've ever given. But Jack just went ballistic. I ended up then approaching Bob Wood about his involvement, and eventually John Alexander and Hal put off, and actually I had three different people approach Hal on my behalf, and they were all people who worked with them. Two of them were working on projects on and off with Hal in, in you know, in Austin, Texas, and and uh, and they approached him, and, you know, and they said Hal's response was like, oh my god, like, how does anyone know about this? And that's, what started my looking into it and I worked for years with my research associate Randy Copang on on this and if these guys sneezed I was going to say another bodily thing guys get the idea we were we were writing it down I mean and Randy kept this incredible timeline but that it's come to to this you know and then and then Jack um after he passed away my friend Steve Paldoros, a researcher friend in Southern California, um, got to know Jack's family even better than I did. And when Jack passed away, his wife said, you know, he's got some files at home, Steve. Would you be interested in these? And let him come over and go through them. And and he removed like two file boxes. But he took him a couple days to go through them. And he came across what is now what we're talking about here, the Jack Hauk notes. And, and Steve calls me and he says, you might be interested in this. He proceeded to immediately fax them to me um, back then. And, and anyway, so, and, and then eventually sent me a first generation copy. So that became the beginning of my having those notes from Jack. And they were the notes, the outline, they were the kind of the, not so much the minutes, they were the agenda, the agenda sheet and all the overhead back then, you know, in 85, when the meeting happened, there was no PowerPoint. So they were using overhead projector, you know, transparencies, and the copies of all those transparencies. And I think a bunch of stuff written in pencil that were spreadsheets and stuff done by Jack that had probably been made into like copied into transparencies and used in the presentation. And those were in there. Um, And so, so there we go. So that's, how i got you know my set and everything but going back to what you just asked i mean th- that we're here now is just blows my mind
2: may i just mm-hmm. i just want to jump in i know grant's got something to say but um if i'm not mistaken so the whole thing about these notes people listening they may not all be on board with what we're talking sure, about sure of course so so the the atp meetings the advanced theoretical physics group meetings, is organized by john alexander and ron blackburn back in the mid 80s and the idea was these, you know, they brought in Hal Putoff. off uh, they brought in Bob Wood, they brought in Jack Hauk, other people, <clears throat> the idea to, uh, as Alexander's put it many times, I guess, to, to kind of create their own UFO group with a lot of knowledge and a lot of like their own center of gravity so that the real UFO group would find them and bring them in. And yes. Alexander always said, oh, there wasn't any such group. I've had other people in that group say, that's a load of bull." There was another group, but anyway, <laughs> be that as it may. Um, so what you got, Melinda, if, if if I'm not mistaken, I think you got the first example of actual notes. But this group ever talked about,
3: yes, like, that's right. You know,
2: there has been discussions, but maybe kind of in you know vague terms. But you actually got access to genuine notes, so that's that was very important.
3: Yeah, and, official, you know, yeah. documents, if you will, from exactly. the meeting. This is what they used. These were probably handouts at the meeting, you yeah. know. And and then it was years later, and we can go to Grant after this, that Grant ended up showing me and the publishing the agenda page from those notes, which matched mine. So I knew that he had the same thing because that typed out agenda sheet was exactly what I had. And yeah. and mine mine have our handwritten notes by Jack. So the um what I have that, that Grant doesn't have in the Shannon notes is, is additional handwritten notes by Jack, and of course, Grant, besides the original agenda typed out, the rest is all handwritten notes, but I'll let Grant tell you about that. So, But, but it, it, for me, you guys, it's been a 30-year history of the working group research project and i've done presentations on it for conferences and whatnot and interviews on it i mean um you know it was i was very flattered that hermetic and omega were both following my work quite a bit and had seen my presentation stuff so thank you guys out there you know thank you and um and of course i told omega he knows we're doing this uh, today he may be listening at least i certainly hope so
1: yeah. And, and Melinda, please, um, when we're done, send me a link and I'm going to put those in the description because those are absolutely meticulous and, and excellent presentations on on the working group. I mean, and the graphs that oh, you have you. there and the outlines are incredible. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's it's well, got to be like. And,
3: and I think it's important here. For me to emphasize what my interest always was. And Omega and I talked about this quite a bit last night on the phone. These guys, always, these guys, meaning the working group and all the various members and and supporting members, if you will, uh, um, science advisory board, uh, were very, very interested in abductees. And all along, I did the Milab covert, you know, Milab MIL for military, AB for abduction. covert human involvement in in the abduction uh, phenomenon and the fact that abductees were targeted and harassed and picked up and interrogated, et cetera. Well, I kept coming across these guys over the years and, and realized that there was a, a connection. So Going back to what was clear in Jack's notes all those years to me, and I was quick to say this in presentations, is they had three predominant areas of interest in the working group. One, of course, was the technology. That's a given. One, as Richard just pointed out, was the remote viewing or the whole side component. And the third, equally important, or maybe you could put the remote viewing side part under this as a subset of this. And you could say there are two focuses when you look at all the meeting minutes, mine and the, or I should say Jack's and the Shannon notes, Halkin and Shannon is, is realizing that they had such an interest in abductees and still do to this day where they're doing blood work and Cod A. and everything, you know, with abductees. So you go, they never stopped. And and just I don't want to interrupt you,
1: but just really quickly, I want to emphasize the importance of the article that Billy Cox just did. Yes. um, With, uh, you know, in the article, there's it's Tom DeLong and Lou Elizondo and McCaslin. And, you know, we got this from Terry Lovelace, you know, and 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 Billy Cox's amazing work, you know, because this this is such an important part. I don't think one day
2: he'll uh, actually admit that Davis Wilson notes are legit.
1: Right. <laughs>
2: yeah. Well, and again, here
1: is you know Terry Lovelace uh, gets a call, and it's Tom DeLong, and he says, "I'm here with with Elizondo and and General McCaslin." So putting them together in a room, talking about experiencers, and they want to know about the thing in his leg, right? Yes, so an implant right. is an incredible. I mean, it's not as if we hasn't hadn't uh, assumed this before, but this this is on the record. Uh, and we have them in the same location working together on and it, with an interest in experiencers and implants. So obviously that's right up the alley of abductions as well as if we know Terry uh, Lovelace's story. So I just want to add to that for context and, and importance in and the. James, and
3: and why well, I did I, I'm friends with Terry and I knew he had some milab involvement. We talked about it. I didn't know that that had happened the would approached him, but I'm not surprised because I know uh, over over, a 20-year period of these guys interfacing, at least 20-year period, but I can say that where I knew that these guys were interfacing with abduction cases that I was new, or, you know, a lot of them are actually friends of mine, and so, and I was hearing stuff firsthand from them about what they were going through with these guys and, and their interest in them, and it just so happens that all these Abductees that they were showing interest in were also my lab cases of mine
1: and and uh, exactly and what i wanted to add to that melinda is that you know terry here has the black helicopters
3: that's right exactly I,
1: I have the uh, the old school uh my labs book which is right. it's, it's a helmet, short small yeah. but it's classic yeah. i think yeah, everybody helmet, should helmet be, lemmer Helmet yes, Lammert, yes. Helmut Marion mm-hmm.
3: Lammer's book, yeah, yeah. And
1: again, it's the-, the I have a chapter black... in there. Yes, <laughs> and I, so no. I didn't even know that was you when I read it. I read this yeah. years and years ago when, <laughs> when you could still get a copy of it. And yeah. uh, that was before I had actually, actually heard of you. That's, that's
3: where I officially get to feel like I've been in this field. Richard, I, well, Grant, you, both you guys can relate. I've been in too long. <laughs> yeah, so again, that, that's
1: okay. all incredible. And, and if anybody ever speaks to Tom, they <laughs> need to ask him about my labs because yes. I, made a, I made a whole video talking about Um, you know, you know, there's a high controversy, um, you know, with, you know, Dr. Stephen Greer. So Stephen Greer is talking about my labs uh, and people are like, oh, well, that's nuts. And, you know, maybe some of the other stuff he's got is good. But then you have Tom DeLonge years later, you know, with different insider military sources saying the same thing. And it's recorded on a video. And again, I have it and I I made a video discussing it because why why do we have Tom DeLonge you know, with these advisors talking about my labs publicly, I think he might've may have been told not to talk about that anymore because it's such a controversial topic. Um, And again, for people listening yeah, like Melinda said, my labs is military abductions and, and a very interesting note to speak to that is Jacques Vallée's journal for Jacques. And I just interviewed him and asked him about this is that Valet in his book and then, you know, he's talking about in the 1990s, he secured a document that is, is confirming that the CIA had hoaxed abductions in South America and Argentina and Brazil. So, <laughs> and that document exists. And he said it exists. And uh, I think, uh, you know, a few of us know where that document is and I, uh, the pe- people will eventually get to see it. Um, but, you know, I can tell right now, like Grant is is raring to go. He's, you know, <laughs> yeah. he, so Grant, let her rip. Yeah, I don't know. You said so much
0: stuff already. Um, on, on this last point, I guess, without, and I'll cut off Melinda so, so I can finish, but um, Jim Semivan, she had a long discussion with Jim Semivan about the the the, the Milab or Milab, however you want to pronounce it. And he maintained there was no way that this would be going on with the amount of money they would need and stuff. But Melinda can talk to that. Um, one of the things you had brought up that um, I, I, I with regards to the, the notes or why they're dealing with experiences, I've always <clears throat> said that's what they have to do. We've got to forget the UFO sightings. We've got to deal with the experiencers. And they've always sort of done this. The first notion I got was from Pandolfi was this expression which said, because we cannot control the phenomena, we watch those that the phenomena influences, that's all they can do. And the second uh, confirmation of that is Chris Bletzel, when I was talking to him he actually confronted them at one point and he said, so why are you guys here? Like, why are you on my property? Because they wanted to set up all these monitoring devices and stuff like that. And why why are you guys all here? And then he was told, well, it it appears that um, you have a contact with them. They seem to like you. Uh, They don't have any contact with us. They don't seem to like us. So we're here to see what's going on at, at your property. And there was a number of things that I asked. For example, you brought up Tom DeLong. Well, Tom DeLong op- tried to option Chris Bledsoe's movie, and then he wanted to put uh, Reptilians in at the end. And Chris said, "Get lost." And Chris told me how much money was involved. It was an absolutely stunning amount of money that was involved. And Chris said to me, "He says now there's something that I had to that that you have to think about in order to turn down." And it confirmed the fact that Chris was never in this for money. I know the the, the one time I met with him. When we were with um, uh, Tim Taylor, he was being offered, I believe a million and a half dollars just to sign the contract. 2% 2% of gross and uh, 4% of royalties. And there was all these big businessmen around him advising him, you know, what to sign what, what to do, what not to do. And um, when I asked him uh, numerous times, I'd ask him, did, were they interested in this? Were they interested in that? Because that's always been my interest. I'm not really interested in who's in whose club or whatever, but I always realized right from the word go that I didn't know what was going on, but I knew damn well, that guys like Kit Green and Hal put off and uh, Eric Davis and these people knew what was going on and i said no matter whether you believe these people or don't believe them or hate them or whatever listen very carefully these people know some stuff that you don't know and from time to time something will slip through the cracks so i asked them, for example i asked them at one point i just finished the book uh, alien sky pilots where i talk about the 36 plus people who claim they've flown the craft so i said to chris um, he told me, and I, I was shocked when he told me he'd flown the craft. I said, you flew the craft? So I interviewed him, and I, I said, shut up. I just want to interview you from start to finish. He told me the same story everybody else told me. And then I said at one point, I said, hey, you had all these big high-level guys around your property. Did they ever ask you how to fly the craft? And he said, oh, yeah. He said they brought me to a general. They brought a general, U.S. Air Force general to me, and I explained to him how you fly the craft. So that's the the, the idea was that – that it makes sense that they would be following experiencers uh, because experiencers have these various patterns and they're looking for metals. They're looking for what's actually going on and you don't learn that much from sightings. I mean, sightings are very interesting. You make a lot of money by setting up AI programs to investigate and stuff like that. Uh, but in terms of what it tells you, it tells you something's going on It probably isn't our stuff. But it's not until you talk to the people who are behind the intelligence or talking to the intelligence that you're going to learn what's actually going on. And that's why it's so important whether you believe these people or believe it's anecdotal or, or they may be making up stuff. It's still a vast quantity of material. And you start to see these very definite patterns that you see there, the same as you see patterns in orbs, you see patterns in channeling.
1: But you've got to look at an awful lot of material in order to see the patterns. And Grant, you know, again, for people, for people listening and watching this, definitely check out Grant's book, The Contact Modalities, because it gets into a lot of that stuff in depth, and it's, it's really excellent work. Um, and his
3: new book, UFO Sky, your, UFO Sky Pilots, UFO Sky Pilots, I was about to ask him this, the name of it yeah. again, and, UFO and, Sky Pilots.
1: And I want to add to that, you know, um, some people may have not connected the dots, but if you're doing what what people call CE5 or heist, um, what, and it's in a, in a aspect partially what you're doing by by vectoring if you go by Stephen Greer's method is your you know one such method is doing a remote view and and you know non locally or remotely influencing where the craft operates so there's a there's a connection between CE5 remote viewing and and what people call flying the craft and simulations Absolutely. and simulated consciousness and, and things like that. So I just want people to be aware of those connections because yeah. that, that. I'll just make,
0: Can I make just one contact on the the notes? I'll just make it very quick to give my background over the notes because I have told it once or twice, but a lot of people may not have heard it. How I got the notes, and that was that in the early days, as and I said. Grant, say, Grant, words, just to
1: clarify the note, which notes are you talking about? Yeah, so these people- are
0: Shannon notes. That have just been released along with the Hauk notes, which fit into the Wilson leak documents. So, I in back in the day, I always knew that NID, I knew about NIDS through um, Eric Davis, and the uh, the whole concept was that Bigelow had the money, so he brought in the highest level people that he could, and he paid these guys I can't remember, it was three thousand dollars a day or whatever, and then. Um, for and he'd bring them in six times a year and what he was doing is basically picking their brain to find out what's going on and that's what i did i would follow these guys around and listen to what they say and read everything they did to, to to see what they would what they would say so he was bringing them in and what happened was they started to they went from six meetings a year down to four down to three and then they laid off eric davis and that's where i got the notes so eric davis gets laid off um, and that's when I talked to him and the NIDS people were talking to me uh, basically through how put off and through Eric Davis and basically want to know, cause I, I, my expertise was the Canadian government. So they wanted to know what, what metals had Wilbur Smith handled? Uh, did I have access to the materials, the, the, the paperwork for that? And uh, did they work on Wilbur Smith worked on this gravity control experiment and they wanted, what did I know about the experiment? Was there papers and stuff? Cause they're trying to, they're trying to, sort of vacuum up all the material around and try to figure out the stuff and the other thing they wanted to know about was the um, the Holloman Air Force Base film and they were actually going to bring in Shardle who was the security manager the guy who claimed he'd actually seen the film so Nids was going to bring this guy in to interview him and he died of a, in a rollover car accident two day, two weeks before they were going to interview him so they were doing this kind of stuff and they wanted to know and they knew that I was good friends with Bob Emmenager so it was like what did Bob tell you about the film what, what was the story he told you about the film and they were trying to find out where's the hall air force base film who's got this film so that's how i had the contact so i was i was in las vegas and i was meeting with eric davis and what had happened is they'd gone down to i think three meetings a year, two meetings a year, whatever. And then he was basically shutting it down. And Eric Davis was the first guy they canned. So Eric Davis was the head scientist for NIDS and they laid him off. And that's when I met him. And he was absolutely furious. He was just like, he had no job. He had these two kids and and suddenly he's unemployed and he had nothing good to say about Bigelow. And uh, he was talking to me a mile a minute. He was telling me what was going on and how it all worked and stuff like that. And then he gave me the notes, and I, I, I'm i not 100% sure, but I think part of the reason for the notes was to burn John Alexander. I don't think that Eric and John really saw face-to-face on, on all issues, and I think that was one of the reasons. And um, as uh, um, Oak Shannon, who's actually been interviewed now, uh, talks about it, that he had this um, heart attack in 1999, And so it was shortly after, so it was 2000, 2001, where Eric provided me these notes. And he said to me, he said, "Um, Oak is is pretty sick. I don't know if he's going to make it. And if he dies, um, release these notes. And so that was the the deal. And then what happened was that um, I held these notes for years and years. And then I heard Oak Shannon go in this interview. And some of the stuff he was saying, I just... I absolutely believe was not true. For example, he was making this claim that the only reason that Oak Shannon had phoned him was to find out about Eric Davis. Was he a reliable guy? But if you actually look at the actual uh uh Wilson Leak, you'll see then the, the phone call took place three years, almost two years, three years before he went to see Eric Davis. And and the the other thing was that the meet, the phone call took place for two hours, so you don't need a two-hour phone call to say is Eric Davis a good guy. And basically, it wasn't until Melinda and we had the meeting with Melinda and I and Nicole, and that's when we started, discovered this thing, the APT10 thing, mm-hmm. that that there was this this connection that that uh, we realized what was in the Oak the the the, the Wilson Leak notes was APT10. That that Oak Shannon had talked to Wilson about APT ten, and it's in the notes, but it's called ATT ATP ten, Advanced Theoretical Physics rather than Advanced Physics ten, and it was in the in the Shannon notes, and then we realized that he had had a two-hour conversation, and it appeared to me he had briefed uh, Wilson. On this meeting they had had in 1985, because Wilson was probably saying, this is this is garbage, they cut me out of the loop, I couldn't get anything. And then Oak Shannon would have said, hey, we got cut out too. Guess what? And he would tell them the whole story how they tried to figure it out in 1985 and they, there was all these closed doors and stuff like that. And that sort of explained the reason this this two-hour phone conversation and the fact that Wilson said, the time isn't right, I can't do it right now. But he had gone to get the job as the head of uh, defense intelligence And then as soon as he retires, then he said, now I can do it. I'm retired. And it's sort of like me. I've got nothing to lose. Who cares? I'm going to go and talk to Eric Davis. So a lot of the pieces came together, but it wasn't until that second meeting where Melinda and I and the call when, um, Melinda said, "Hey, that APT ten, that's in the Wilson Wilson document. And I did it is, and then we looked it up, and he, and you can see this direct connection that that um, that it appears that that Shannon actually briefed uh, Wilson on these meetings from 1985." Makes perfect sense. I think it, isn't it AP ten in the in yes the data? yes yeah. Well, yeah. AP, no, no. AP AP ten is in the Wilson document. AP yeah. ATP ten is in the uh, Wilson the Oakshanna notes. Yeah, so it's, yeah. It's, it's I mean it's obviously the same thing.
2: The same thing. Yeah, <clears throat> It makes perfect sense that that they would uh, that the AP the ATP guys would think we're very compatible with what Wilson just tried to do because like you've got you got Wilson who went on his wild goose chase in ninety seven to get to the center of the labyrinth and he yeah. gets the door slammed on him. And that's really exactly what the uh, the working group was doing in the 1980s. Yeah. They were yeah. essentially trying to get to the center of that labyrinth. And so it's really easy to see why. Of course, they would all learn about it through Mitchell and, and through Will Miller. You know, what happens? What well, Wilson goes on his uh, two month journey to get get to the to the Holy Grail, he gets slammed down. But he was in touch with Commander Will Miller, another Navy guy. Willer clear, uh, Miller excuse me, clearly told Greer on the one hand, and obviously had to have told Mitchell. And so Mitchell is the connection to the whole Nids group, all the those guys. So Mitchell obviously would have told Putoff and Davis and Green, and uh, probably Alexander and all of those guys.
1: Yeah. So and- so
2: they knew about it immediately. Sure. And so you could see like the wheels turning in that group thinking, we got to get to Wilson, we got to get to Wilson, but he was still working at DIA at that time. Yeah, because that's a fascinating story. So that's the thing that was sort of that I
0: got the impression was that the NIDS people would have had like what what problems we're going to work on. So uh, the what what do you think of the uh, the Holman film? And then they would have said, what do you think about this meeting with Greer with with Wilson? Do you think with Wilson? And then they would say, let's get someone to get to Wilson. And so then they use yeah. Eric Davis. Exactly. And as I said, there's one one of the few secrets I'm still keeping is uh, conversations I had with Eric Davis, and I can absolutely guarantee you and swear to you that Wilson was the, not the highest level person that, that Eric Davis was talking to. He talked to a couple of people that would just blow you away. And that's like the thing. They were, to get the, they were trying to get to the bottom. At this time, stuff.
2: back in 02, Grant? Yep.
0: yep. And, oh. and that's why I no longer yeah. dealt with them because I could, couldn't keep my mouth shut. I sort of leaked who Eric Davis was talking to and he was absolutely furious. And and I can see it because he would talk about it. He said, and, and this you talked about a little bit earlier. He said, it's... Um, it's not so much that you're going to lose your security clearance, which that is part of it, but it, what the way Eric Davis described to me is intelligence blowback. So as soon as something like this happens, it all just explodes, and then it's like, okay, who's going to get fired? Who's going to lose his security clearance? But the worst part about it was that he described to me is they're all working, and you know, it probably works with Hell put off, where Hell's trying to figure out what the people above him are doing, and he, and he's keeping it secret, and and it's the old idea that. If you release what you're told, then nobody will ever talk to you again. And that's what happened when I got the Wilson Leak document, when I heard that Danny Silva had it. And James, remember I told you, you talked to me. And I said, "If if, if Danny's got this document, let me tell you what. If Danny puts this document out, he'll be the most famous person that ever lived. But remember this, nobody will ever talk to you again. Right. Because it's the old thing. It's the old deal where you blew it. You released the secret and then nobody talks to you. And that's this intelligence blowback thing. That's the thing that they fear the most, I think, is they're trying to figure out what's going on above them. And they can't talk because otherwise their people are going to start talking to them because Eric Davis can't keep his mouth shut. Cameron can't keep his mouth shut. That's the thing they're most afraid of, I think.
1: Yeah. And, and Danny had sent it to me and I was reading it. I'm like, holy shit, this is, this is what Grant has been telling me about. (laughs) And, uh, I, you know, I, I went to Eric, I said, Hey, Eric, just, just so you know, this is out there and I'm not going to put it out, but it it's, it's coming out. So, and, you know, we had, we were waiting like every day, looking, looking like waiting for it to, and like for months and, and then one day it finally happened. We're like, Oh shit. So, but we weren't going to release it again. Cause we're talking to Hal and Eric and everybody else. And, you know, I, even at that point I'd sent it to Gary and, and, you know, Gary had some interesting words to say about it, that he's, he said some of it publicly now um, on Ross Coltheart's program. And and I think even on uh, Tucker Carlson, maybe, you know, talking about the notes and their authenticity. Um, so
2: Grant and I talked about this uh in the the months before Grant uh, you faint you said to me now you're in the box I'm in yeah, yeah. And, and you for me and, and that's rich. really true I yeah, wasn't I going to to say anything about it but um in early June I was I was on an email thread and uh I gotta go back and look at it but <clears throat> people were starting to talk about it on this email thread that I was on and I thought the hell with it this is this is coming out so I just. Well, I give I you credit can't. for
0: doing it. I'll always acknowledge that I give you yeah. full credit for absolutely putting your career on the line and going in because you know all these guys. You're in the same. You're maybe in a worse box because I don't know how to put off a lot. Well, you know them a lot better than me. And to actually, you know, take guys that you know and then go take a position that's going to put them in a lot of difficulty. That was the problem I had. So I really give you credit that you put your career on the line to actually go public with
2: with with what you had. Well, Thanks. I mean, you no. Know- I don't think okay. anyone got mad at me. I don't think any people in that group were angry with me. Um, I've never I've never revealed who showed me those notes in 06. There have been some very smart guesses about it, but I've never confirmed, and, and I'm just not going to. But, um, yeah, I mean, I just felt like, look, it was at that point, someone was, they were clearly leaking out. They were clearly going to yeah. leak out probably even that week. So I just figured I'm going to do it. And one, uh, one other
0: interesting story that, uh, that we should add to this was, uh james Reedney was actually getting very upset at me he said you know th- these things aren't going anywhere they're-. and i said i did my job they're on the internet that's what i said i was going to do for you they're on the internet and i said you're the guy that y- you don't know these people you can put this out it's up to you to mail so then i said you can mail to a bunch of people and i think he actually emailed you or gave you a copy or whatever and uh, but he we were having this sort of fight and then at one point he phones me up and he said hey did, did you give Dolan a copy of these documents? And this is one of the most important things that confirms that the Wilson documents are real. He said, Did you give Dolan a copy of these documents? I said, No. And he said, You must have. I said, No, I didn't, I'm sure I didn't give Dolan a copy of these documents. He said, He's on Jimmy Church talking about it. I said, He is. <laughs> so oh, no, but I, I went, and that was yeah, right. a December <laughs> right. before, and you were right. confirming on there that you had seen these
2: documents. And I'm listening, i right like shit he's talking about the same documents i had we're, no maybe I did idea did you a copy of the documents or think it's, I mean, it's I so did. crazy i'm so glad we're talking about this yeah because i was i was shown them in 06 i i started talking about all of that from 2007 2008 09 2010 but i wasn't talking about having seen the notes what mm. i talked about was having confirmation about greer's meeting with wilson and confirmation from my own source that um that Wilson was denied access and by lawyers and the program managers and all of that. And so I had, I had like a basic rough, very rough, no details, but I had a basically true understanding of what happened. And, um, and I talked about that for years. And then I kind of stopped talking about it, but it never went away for me. Hell, I wrote about it in volume two of UFOs in the national security state 2009. If anyone really is curious, it's in that book. uh, Plus in a lot of other places, but I never, I had never mentioned that I had seen actual notes, several pages. I saw two or three pages of those notes and including the line, not of this earth, not by my man, not by human hands. Um, in fact, I quoted it once in an interview with Gene Steinberg in 07, but I'd never mentioned that I'd seen notes until that interview with Jimmy Church. Yeah. Jimmy's like, what's the? What's something important that's happened to you? You've never told anyone and i thought at this point it's like all these years later i didn't give a shit anymore and i just said yes i saw these these notes but i had no idea that you had those full all 15 pages in your possession yeah. and that other people did too because i hadn't i i didn't get a copy of those notes until april of uh, 2019. Yeah. So and of literally- in, I, yeah and
0: i had yeah and i had them in november and then i think i talked to james about them in december and so when james phoned me and said Oh, Danny hmm. Silva's got a copy, and then I—I still don't want to get involved. So I said, "He does." I said, uh, "So how many pages?" He says, "A 15. I said, "Yeah, it sounds about right." <laughs> I didn't want to. Yeah, do, and that yeah, sounds I, about right.
1: <laughs> and and you know, again, just for people watching and listening, you know, I think it's it's great that Rich was the guy to do it because it's really come full circle because he was shown two pages of the notes. And, you know, as 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 Rich knew, um, you know, I had recently got Leslie Kane on the record to say, hey, you know, when did when did yeah. you first see the notes? And she said, yeah, it was like 2007 or 2008. She was at a conference and was taken into a car and she was not allowed to record or take pictures. And uh, she was shown, shown the full 15 pages. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, Jacques Ballet is now confirming he saw them eight years well, before. Yeah. And again, yeah, I interviewed Jacques the following week and said, Hey, Jacques, when when's the first time you saw the notes? <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, again, he, well, he saw them early on. And um,
3: wouldn't, wouldn't Jacques have been on the science advisory board yeah. just like Dr. Mitchell? Wasn't, my, I don't think he would have seen them. Record, early. Well, yeah. he would have had them. He would have yeah. had them I, himself just like I Dr. Was Mitchell part of the did club. for the same reason. Yeah. yeah, yeah I'm, he had I'm just going
1: to. I'm just gonna say I, I guarantee anything that Jacques is just treading very carefully, um, as he tends to do, um, when it comes to like those kind of matters. And you know, again, I appreciate him going on the record and saying, Yeah, I saw them before. Um, yeah. you know, you fill fill in the blank with your imagination as to when he saw them, probably when when, when everybody he was else on did. the I,
3: science advisory
1: board.
2: Sure, a lot of those I guys knew that, knew,
1: that
0: Lizzie, said- uh, knew. that. that's why I
2: always knew that Leslie Kane had seen them because she told me right when the whole thing blew up when I yeah. when I put myself out there I said these are real uh she was kind enough to write to me she said, yeah I've, I've known about them for almost as long as you <laughs> but I can't I can't go public at this time and so, so I was like yeah I get well, it
3: and I, and I know I, that she did. <laughs> I, I can't sit here and thank you guys you know here here we are on here talking about the Wilson Davis notes and I think probably all of us when that public hearing happened last May the congressional hearing, and and the congressman read into the congressional record Wilson Davis that all of our jaws, I mean uh, mine hit the floor. I'm sure all of ours did. It's just like oh my god, it was god. a nice moment. Yeah, <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah and that, and that's I, a reminder to me vindication,
3: is, is vindication, Richard. Vindication. It's
2: yeah. a surprise. I wasn't yeah. expecting it.
0: it. It's always a reminder. None okay. of right saying. Right the We're word like, go was the idea that these guys, that Richard and I have had some contact, and Melinda's had contact with, that these guys had these little groups like the NIDS thing, that these guys know an awful lot of material, especially if you read Jacques Vallée's book. I remember, it was three or four, when I was reading the book, I'm going – Oh my God! He's like he's driving over everybody here. He's like he's and most people don't read his books. He tells all sorts of stuff that I went. Oh, I didn't know that. For example, those are amazing books. Doctor Eric Walker. For years, we wrote books on him. And then, in in, when I'm reading Jacques Vallee, I suddenly find out that hell put off went to Doctor Eric Walker. We never told me that. I'm going. Oh, you know, this is my case. I didn't even know this. And Jacques tells a lot of stuff that if you read his books and read them carefully, you realize he's telling a lot of secrets. And now he's coming out with forbidden
2: science. People, if anyone listening go Urban read science. it and, and, and so there's and four, four, four. Volumes so far
1: there's currently four volumes and volume five from what i understand is in like the proofreading stages and that covers very this interesting period. years so yeah. i'm gonna be <laughs> very curious period and, to and see I, yeah what what he he says in
2: there's, there there's nothing like that there's there's no other example no. of writing in the ufo field that's like that Right. Extremely valuable.
3: And and if this includes his time at it, it, it NIDS with the release of Wilson Davis, which it is, like you were just saying, James, that time period, it could be that we're going to get some stuff in there. But he oh. knows this is in play, and maybe for that reason he edits it out. I hope it'll be in there. I hope well, and he
1: made it play. a point to include the Wilson Davis meeting and, and notes in the appendix of Trinity, right? He intentionally included okay. them so
3: that maybe right. maybe we can take that as a sign that forbidden science five will have that in there that'd be I'm,
1: that's why awesome. the both both times i interviewed him i'm like okay this is fair play i mean he made it a point to include it
3: okay all right so, so. He's, if he included he's probably gonna have it in in five and and discuss it um so i look forward to that you know i think it's important here uh, we all know on this panel but for the viewers that may not know to express why Wilson Davis, well, the meeting and the notes are so important. First off, that the meeting happened that Dr. Eric Davis interviewed Admiral Thomas Wilson and did so on behalf of NIDS slash the working group. Why is it tie in the working group, not just NIDS? Well, that's where the Oak Shannon importance is because that goes back to it's the same people and 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 how that came to be and why eric was there on shannon's you know but the important thing is and that's what this panel is going to be about is it gets into the fact that there were vehicles in the possession of the government slash and or you know in the possession of private industry uh intact according to the notes um Somehow they got that crash retrieved, shot down. You know, to me, shot down or crash retrieve would be the same thing because either way, a craft's coming down. So you're getting a craft that came down as opposed to something just handed to us, which I wouldn't rule out that possibility well, either.
1: Yeah. And the funny Remember thing when is, Eric Davis wrote to you, James. Exactly. I'm talking yeah. to Eric Davis okay. while this whole yes. thing's going on. And yeah. just like shortly before, he gives me the comment about intact craft, yeah. you know, which is like highlighted in the notes. It's like, wow. I mean, that-
2: it's like a week before the notes came out. Right. That was yeah. after Lou Elizondo did a thing on Tucker Carlson, where he talked about that we have acquired their technology. Like yes. he's yeah. put that right out there. And, and you, James wrote to Eric Davis and Davis, I I'll never forget this. He said he gave you this very carefully worded and edited reply. During which he actually added the word recovered, I think, where it was originally a crash retrieval, but he added and recovered to indicate it was more than just crashes.
1: Yeah, he, he so in the first comment, he didn't have landed. And then he, landed, yeah. he, he gave me amended one, and he said, here, and again, he gave me this for public use. And he said, no, here, this is the one. And it had crashed and landed. Uh, craft and we're, again we're talking about non you know off-world vehicles as he he you know quoted in the new york times piece that he gave to leslie kane and ralph blumenthal grant
0: so so this brings up uh one of the big questions that i've always looked at and i'm sure rich has looked at it is the whole idea of how much is being leaked to us in terms of trying to control the narrative whether it's Eric Davis or Hal Putoff, or do they actually put stuff in their speeches? Are they leading us along? Um, you know, Jim Semivan or is this all part of the plan?
2: Or what do you think about that? You are asking me? Any, I think I think they're I think they're putting out what they think they can get away with at this point. Yes. My my feeling is that that group, I I don't think they're working from CIA headquarters or any directions. Yeah. I don't think I don't yes. believe that. I think they are their own group. They've got their own center of gravity, as it were. I, I think for many years they've been. Uh, this has been their mission, and 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 I, I you get, definitely get the feeling with these guys. They know exactly how far they can walk up to that line without stepping over the line. Right, like right. they're really good at that. Uh, put off and Davis, even Davis. I mean, Davis just talks so much, but he always stops just when he has to. So I, I think, I think, just like barely, but he does. Yeah. <laughs> and maybe I, someone has to pull him back a little bit.
3: I, but, I, um, I agree.
2: Yeah, but they, but they know what they're doing. And the real question—I don't have the answer. to This is—is is there a, a a motivation beyond that? Is there? Are they trying to make money? Are they trying to get a contract? Are they trying? What are they trying to do? Are they trying to save the world? I don't know. What What is their actual motivation? But they and, have definitely been pushing.
3: And Richard, I'll go with, I think while. their motivation may have changed over the years. That I was having this long conversation, as I said, with Omega last night on the phone. And one of the things we were saying, and I was saying to him, and I wanted to express today, was don't anyone ever forget that these guys sat on everything they knew about this subject since before '85, when they were first getting together as a group, you know, you go back to Jacques Vallée talking about the Invisible College days, you know, and stuff, and you go forward into into the working group and its various incarnations over time into to the stars and and today. Um, but you go through everything and you go, well, wait, until five years ago with the announcement of ATIP slash OSAP, Until that happened, there was no nothing coming out from these guys and and in the bigelow days after the original aviary days when they first went to bigelow even pre nids before calling it nids but they were dealing with them they were getting funding in large amounts for various projects they did and and it was one beef in the alien abduction research community, that they did all this work other than publishing unusual personal experiences, which is the title handbook based upon the um, um, findings of the Roper poll and those numbers. So they did publish that. But prior to that and and all the stuff they did with the MUFON files, all they did stuff they did with the John Carpenter stuff, everything going back, you go, these guys weren't putting anything out there. They were sitting on, they weren't sharing anything. And, and they were a big black hole for research to kind of like go and disappear. And and yet they were, again, they were having funding from various sources. We know for sure a uh, history of Bigelow. And and you go, well, wait a second. They never put anything out there. And even now, everything that they know, yes, we get some breadcrumbs in Jacques Vallée's work. But other than that, they're not really putting anything out there that what to the depth that these guys know, they have been deeply involved in this subject for well over 40 years probably 50 or 60 but well over 40 and and that and that they know a tremendous amount of data and they hold back on that but now all of a sudden they're offering up some stuff are they coming clean with everything they know not no of course not but I agree with you Richard that maybe they're kind of putting a little bit out there and so if all along and I and I said they were at those original meetings in 85 and and I already knew it from Jack's notes but it became abundantly clear and what I think was Shannon taking the the minutes because it's so detailed it was like he was maybe the minute taker for the meeting that's kind of my theory but I, I think it's there's reason behind it but in Shannon's notes it becomes so clear that the gentlemen at these days of meetings, it wasn't just one, it was multiple meetings over, but like a week if I got that correct, that they um, were there representing the large engineering and aerospace companies that they worked for. Because it was quick to say, You know, these three guys were there from Lockheed and these guys were here from McDonnell Douglas and these guys here were from Los Alamos, you know, and so they were all representing and you know that they were there getting information at that meeting to take back to the people they worked for. So I think originally they were like, let's find out how much there is, how much the government knows, how much, because they had one foot, I think, in the covert world and one foot not and that they were getting information to take back to their companies and everything. And over time, then you go into the NIDS era, at, you know, many forward years, but you start to go, well, then these guys were doing research for their own interest possibly, at least for Bigelow's interest, we, can, we know that, but for their own interest until ASAP, when someone approached the government for funding and the Pentagon came in and said, we'll fund it, and, and changed it from, you know, from BAS, Big Loyal Space Advanced Science Studies, to OSAP. And then, so it, did BAS go away? No, I, I've i always contended BAS morphed into OSAP because at that point, the Pentagon got involved and took it over and headed up, you know, and took it over. And they got Pentagon funding. Bigelow was probably like, whoosh, you know, not spending all my money now. you know or spending that, is, somebody that's, else's uh, money. that
2: actually is a very logical theory. I mean, yeah, OSAP started in 07, or yeah. earlier. oh we know?
1: So it started A fi- they started 07. trying to get it ready in 07, but
2: in 08 it was signed off. Yeah. They so when did when did uh well NIDS ended a couple of years earlier than that, yeah. didn't it? Right. Four, but there was four or Bass. five it was shut down. And the there was, was Bass. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome yeah. got the funding. Bass. Bass didn't Bass didn't end. Yeah. Well, I guess it was just kind of a segue from yeah, NIDS,
1: NIDS and NIDS, into Bass. No, Bass, Bass was yeah.
3: yeah.
2: Bass That's... was the contract for OSAP.
3: That was a contractor for OSAP. Yeah. And so yeah. So and 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 Bass was a reforming of mids. So and, to and me, it's you like know, one morphs into the other. I have a timeline in my other presentation yeah. where all these things overlap. If you do a you know time yeah. schedule, they all kind of overlap. Sense. And people I knew like ABDICT by one name or another name, depending on when they were involved.
0: Well, one thing I'd like to add to this though, I see it a little bit different, and that is that to me, all these Avery types went either where the money was or where the information was so you see when nids has got the money they're there but when uh when firmage comes along firmage has got a lot of money they all went to firmage and if you saw the videos that were done kid green and and put off for saying oh firmage is the greatest thing and he's doing science right and all this kind of stuff and then when tom DeLong comes along tom DeLong doesn't necessarily have the money but it's like when when they they told the story about how Hal Putoff tells the story of how he was brought in by Kit Green. He said, Do you know who this uh, Tom DeLong guy is? And he said, no, no, not really. And he said, well, this guy's got, they're talking to him. And it's sort of like, well, why are they talking to this Tom DeLong guy? And it's sort of, they all jump there because they realize that there's these generals and there's these, all these guys that are dealing with, with Tom DeLong. So you may not get any money from him. You're going to get information. Like, why are they talking to Tom DeLong? What are these generals who are the generals and all this kind of stuff? So to me, it's either they're following the money or they're following the, the information they're jumping around wherever the money or the, or the information is. That's That's where they go.
3: That kind of helps make my point of I think what they were doing changed over time because at that point I think it's obvious to me what was Tom Delon, rock star you know voice to a younger generation that they used him to put out a message and and do the beginnings of what was kind of a, a controlled disclosure you know that I, I mean come on why go to Tom you know they're going to Tom because of who he is. And their ability to put out a message and address a younger audience. I, uh, and me, and just no to mystery. add,
2: I, I think that that does make sense. I mean, uh, a, a pop star or or rock star who um, has a strong interest in the subject that was obvious, and is a smart guy. I mean, he's he's intelligent, you know. So uh, I think you could look at him and say, yeah, he's definitely interested. He knows a lot about this already. He's got a, a good foundation and um and he's got influence yeah and
1: funny i mean i grew up listening to i'm a millennial right i grew up yeah. listening to tom the long buying you know blink 182 records when i was a teenager and i remember as a kid he had the song called aliens exist and it's a whole song about you know abductions and aliens and i think he even mentions mj12 and majestic in it and i'm like what you know uh so that's pretty incredible but and, um and- And one point I'd like to
0: point out, because I I pointed out when, when everybody always has this impression that Tom DeLong gathered this group together and he didn't gather anybody together except for uh, maybe phoning up uh, John Podesta, but other than that, they all came to him. And it started with this barbecue outside of the, uh, where they, this guy phones him and says, if they, if they ask you to get in a car, don't get in a car, just don't get in the back of the car. And uh, this is serious. And I'm not, I'm not fooling around. Would you like to do this, uh, this thing for uh, skunk works on the parking lot and off. If I can talk to the director for five minutes, and then you got to remember if, if you remember the story Tom told when they were in the skiff, where Tom before uh, Robert Weiss comes out of the, the room, he's with the head scientist and this other guy who I don't know who it is, and, and then they ask him they say, hey, what's with the website? well, what's with the website? And he had strange, what was it called? Strange something. And it was like the, the, was like the assume, National Enquirer yeah. of you know the craziest conspiracy theories and what's with the website? And he said that Robert Weiss saved his ass because Robert Weiss came out of the room just as he was trying to explain why he had this conspiracy website, which indicated to me that they picked him partly because he had that website that they could sort of, he would go for these ideas and they could sort of manipulate and control the narrative and stuff like that and put stuff to him. Uh, but I found that very interesting that a lot of people don't realize that, that Tom Belong had this absolute insane website in 2012 and 2013, and but, they were confronting him with it when he was in the skiff.
1: Yeah, but and and but, you know, and, uh, in, in, you know, I don't want to say in defense to him, but it's it's because of stuff like Skinwalker Ranch and those really high strangeness things that were going on that they observed Um that they probably figured he was also open to that because sure. that's, I mean, that's the stuff that people don't want to talk about, but nonetheless is reported sure. and recorded over, you know, as far back as human history goes, you know, but another important note on that, that Lockheed thing was that they perked up when they heard heard him start talking about consciousness. Um, and I, I don't want to go too much on a rant on that, uh, but um I did want to mention before we move on that, you know, again, if you think that bass, uh, went away, I mean, you know, now there's Bigelow Institute for consciousness studies. Um, but you know, again, in loose threads, I think Omega and and hermetic penetrator added, uh, um, something that it was a quote from like 2018 or 2019. Uh, and they're basically talking about the experiencers. Um, rich, do you
2: recall that? Sorry, my cat was trying to get my attention. Just say that last thing over again. There was
1: a, like, was a, in Loose Threads, there was a quote about uh, something they said in 2018 or 2019. I know you guys discussed it on your show a little, um, that they got confirmation about something the way contact works. I'm, I'm drawing a blank right now on what
2: exactly I, I it was. Can't, offhand, I can't remember that. Yeah. I remember a few of the things about Loose Threads that we should discuss, but I wanted to ask Grant. Grant, so do you, I mean, I've wondered this. Do you believe that DeLong was just selected in order to be manipulated for a particular goal? Like um, a goal involving any kind of deception or at least a kind of very, uh, a rollout of disclosure that had a certain spin to it? Uh, is he a tool that was being used by? And, and who, who was the first person to decide, I want that guy?
0: um well the the story starts with this guy he i didn't really identify he said he was his his uncle worked for Skunk Works. do you remember jim so there was the the guy had some it was one working. of his his
1: friends his friends had a one of his fans had a family member yeah that worked in lockheed and that's how he got the lockheed thing it may have just uh, no been he did had, oh and yeah. oh one of his band members um i think it was mark Hoppus, had a, another had a family member too in the in the service
0: and it may have just been a thing that it unraveled, where the the, the people um, at Skunkworks sort of know the UFO thing, and Tom was singing about it and talking about it. So let's bring him in for this this part this party, because the one thing that they couldn't have control was Tom said, "Yeah, I'll do it if I can get five minutes with the head guy." and then he gets the 5 minutes and that's when they bring him into the skiff and maybe they're just sort of poking him to see where where it can go that's where they like the, the whole deal where they ask him they start questioning him about uh the whole thing with the with the, the website why well, have you got this website up and tom's all embarrassed by this website or oh, they're questioning me and then as as you mentioned they they mentioned uh when tom brings up consciousness but people got to remember that at that time he's not he's he's with steven greer so he's believing the whole uh they're good aliens and the, you know, consciousness and stuff he's hanging out with steven greer and he's actually afraid that the government is you, you remember he had the tapes that steve had given him the the, the tapes and he's hiding them under the bed and yeah. then he's saying oh they're they're tapping my phone and i've moved to three different places three different phones and they're still getting this interference on my phone and they're out you know he thinks the the government's going to whack him. so he's he's sort of that thing where they're sort of testing him. I don't think there was a, an intentional plan. And it was like maybe poke him to see if we can use this guy. And then Tom makes this famous speech where he says, you guys ain't doing it right, and I can do it, and that sort of thing. And maybe they bought into that that as part of the deal, is that, yeah, maybe we can use this guy. Uh, But he, he does seem to be the, the type of guy that that that's what i always saw was the lazar thing people always dispute the Lazar thing and i always say the lazar thing was a complete setup they knew bob lazar only worked on the site for five or six days he was never there and the reason that he went and took lear and all these guys out to see the test is because they weren't allowing him to go up and work at the at the site and that the the second the first question they asked him in the second interview was what's your relationship to John Lear and what do you think about him so before he went on the site they knew that he knew John Lear they wanted him to see, they showed him a bunch of stuff. They wanted him to take it and go and show it to John Lear because nobody would believe John Lear. So you get the story out, and then nobody believes it because John Lear is telling the story. And it's this sort of all this side manipulation type stuff that I I think that's um, and I think you, you you make up the point, Richard, that it's never very clear what they're doing. It's whatever they're doing, it's not clear that the government is doing this or doing that. It's sort of like um, you're always guessing as as to what's actually going on. And they, yeah, they've I, done that I, well, that they've been able to hide what their actual intention is.
3: Yeah, I'm, I think when it comes to the, the long story, because at one point I kind of asked Jim Semivan about this and he downplayed it, but I had to go, okay, what if the truth is somewhere in the middle? That they seize the moment, he goes to the picnic, like you were just saying, that whole story. And and uh, at Lockheed and people meet him and maybe someone there you know because he had they had permission to invite him and then so some people there looked at looked him up and said well what's this guy's thing and it could be they just went wait a second we have an opportunity here and it could have been more casually coming together and then the opportunity was seized that they then. Mm-hmm you know used him in some way and 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 whether he was whether he now this is the interesting other part is whether he was used by intelligence because you have Jim Semivan entering the you know picture and everything and like was he used by them or was he being used by the working group because you have Hal and his connections and those guys so um but how wasn't at involved some at some point beginning. they're they're working together
1: right and and yeah but and, I, okay I,
3: I i understand that but 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 the fact that those guys got involved it's like um and 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 i could i can understand completely the draw for tom because you'd go well wait a second here's a bunch of people who really know something they're sharing stuff with me i'm going to play along with all sides because i'm getting the inside track, you know, and I'm part of that. Yeah. And so I understand the, that draw, um, uh, anyways, but I think it may have come together more loosely. Like I said, I've talked to Jim now, I'm, now of course you guys already know, I, you know, I'd be very, uh, why I'm friends with Jim. I also have to, you know, take everything with a giant grain of salt and, and realize, could there be anything else ever going on here? So I constantly question that, but I felt like, okay, he's, he's, steering me away from a deliberateness behind it all, yet there seems to be some amount of deliberateness. And that's when I had to kind of realize the story may be somewhere in the middle where it start off one way and evolved and then became, you know, more as it went along. Um, and and still is because, you know, you get into the whole story of Chris and Lou and and I don't know the answer. And I'd be interested mm-hmm. what you guys have to say about them leaving to the stars yep. and stepping out and I, doing the right do. thing. And what 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 really generated that, you know, because you have a now, I know the I do know a lot of it was because the inner, <laughs> Hi Kitty.
1: <kiddie. laughs> <laughs> if Linda Moltenhau is watching this. Yeah, hi
3: Kitty. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> well, just, just really quick. I love I, it. I love it. I, the, I, but the I'm, intelligence, I'm actually... oh, sorry, I'll just say real quick the, the intelligence um uh, oh God, I lost my train of thought. Though, but but just just at, at the point that that other people became involved, it could have been more just fortuitous. Like it was, you know, things kind of un- unrolled at a, a time, and then it became like, well, we can steer this a, a certain yeah. direction. Well, so again, I when I when it comes to the working group, I see as over the years, their view, what they wanted to do, why they were existing, was changing. Right partially also driven by the projects they were working on, but also as their knowledge of the subject changed. Um, and uh, anyway, so there we go.
1: But I, I personally, at this point, I'm more interested. It's like, okay, we know that. And there's a lot of good um, you know, records and information for that. I'm more interested and I do want to move on from this point. Uh, but I'll, I'll, Grant, we I'll don't... let you have your piece. <laughs> but I, I'm more interested in... McCaslin and Weiss and and individual individuals that are like real like those are the inside track guys, right? If if there was ever a legacy guy, I mean McCaslin, uh, you know. But I, you got to remember, James. They it was never intended that they come out.
0: They were always no. But the, in the but for what was
1: their intention in trying to help? Tom the same as is, same as exactly. Bill Moore
0: said he had twenty four people that were were feeding him stuff and telling yeah, him but, what to
1: yeah, do. Yeah, I mean, the but same we're same talking people. about a very guys who are half in and half out. McCaslin well, seems like an all I, in kind of guy. Like and you this guys, is I go
3: back to And I go back to Jim Sammy Van, and I have this somewhere in notes where he said we're fifty some odd people. Yeah, behind but this. again, the so everyone kept going to the, stars, was, to the stars, like 10 people. No, yeah, he said but, "We're 50 some odd people yeah, but what, behind this, this happening. So then you go, right. who are the other people?
1: But Semi Van, he, he was somebody who was brought in. And, uh, you know, and again, he was brought in and two individuals who we all know gave him the briefing, right? Like saying this is, we're reading you into the program kind of thing. But we're talking about, like, again, McCaslin, this is somebody who's like, on the inside clearly like if there was a legacy program or something like zodiac uh this guy would be on top of my okay, list Okay, but like, so so but he's tom, telling but tom the is... story about the the we found a life form so this is the guy he's talking about the general who is in charge like with this weighing on his conscious that he has these deep secrets not half in yeah. half out this guy's yeah. like in part of the epicenter at least so it, but it's the same principle as Robert
0: Lazar, the day after, the, the second day he was at the site, what do they do? They give him 125 documents to read about the program. They give yeah, him everything. They just again, give him this all this stuff. And it's the same as Tom DeLonge. Like, who the hell is going to believe Tom DeLonge? The, I remember the day before, if you remember a couple days before Tom, the, the New York Times article came out, even Tom DeLong didn't believe it. Tom DeLong tweeted, he said, oh, another delay. Ugh!" Like, he wasn't believing it either. And yeah. it's sort of like nobody believed Tom along until January December the 16th in 2017. Until then everybody thought he was a total crazy guy. And it was it, as soon as that came and as soon as the WikiLeaks came, then they exposed all the thing and everybody said, "Oh, they are talking to this guy, same as they were talking to Bill Moore, and they were talking to Lazar, and they they kept it covered. They didn't anticipate that this would fall apart. And the key thing that I think is important is not that these two guys left t- Tom DeLong, but the fact that Jim Semivan stayed with him. So they've got their fingers in every pie. And if you remember the story of Chase Brandon, Chase Brandon was a CIA guy who came out and wrote the book about how the CIA dealt with with Roswell and he said if you want to if you want to read a book a good book, read the book if you want to learn something, read between the lines and it was this whole idea that the reason Semivan stayed was because part of the plan is to put this stuff through Hollywood, fictionalize it put it through Hollywood, that's why CIA's got a, a guy at Hollywood and says, oh James I hear you're doing a, 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 a movie that's got to do with the CIA have you ever been to CIA? Would you like to go to CIA? Would you like to come for a visit? And they get on your side and they walk beside you rather than confronting you. So, I mean, they're still using Tom DeLonge to get this message out. That's why it always amazed me until it made sense. That why would why would Semivan stay with them? The company's sort of bankrupt. They're not doing anything. Everybody else is left. They look like a bunch of fools. And yet, Semivan stays with them.
1: Well, I mean, just 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 right? for for to the stars. I mean, they just got. uh some really good movie contracts i i want to see it personally the secret machines there you go uh, it's taken up by legendary films i mean those they did that um that movie dune right that's part of the plan that's part of the plan so they whatever angle they're working they're succeeding in if you got a contract with legendary to put yeah, out the right. secret machine but yeah
3: they're doing i've talked to jim about this they're but, they're doing books and movies right. and and tv things and you know a bunch of entertainment stuff now jim tells me a story that they're trying to make good on their investors but yeah. i like grant i can't help read into it like you were just saying grant like like that this is to put Information out there, and to it so it's a continuation of of what they've always done, and even they're approaching DeLong was was are not approaching, but they're involving him once they you know the way it, it unfolded, as I said. Real but question is where they how were high seizing up seizing the moment, you know, H- how high up is a good question. How
2: high up does it go? Who's making you know is this is are they just their, their own independent faction, or are they working for an official well, agency? Really and and we're
3: hearing through what's going on in congress and the senate is and i think we're all hearing this i'm hearing it from multiple people who say they're talking to senate staffers and stuff that you know that that there's infighting there's pushback that there's the ndaa is going through but it's not without its detractors now it did pass both the house and the senate by large majorities and so my understanding is it's all in there already to get signed by Biden, um, unless someone hears heard otherwise, but I'm hearing, you know, but but it's not been without pushback. So there's obviously those inside that want this. So when you go to Jim Semivan and DeLong and you go to, you know, McCaslin and everything, you go to OK and Weiss, and, you know, there's obviously those folks that want this out there. And then there's the folks, that don't because they're probably at risk of losing their budgets and their projects. And, and, you know, and and the long history of this and the reverse engineering and the holding of materials by private companies, you know, so there, there's probably a lot of pushback from, from that end, you know, maybe it's from the private end or from those running the SAP programs, approving the funding. And, And
1: getting, getting exactly to who's, who might be involved in that group or past present, you know, and loose threads. There's the very important point of uh, Bobby Ray Enman. And, you know, this is kind of like an old UFO story, but it's an important one. I think people nowadays should be familiar with it. So, um, either Rich or Grant, if you want to um, weigh in on that, on Bobby Ray Enman and how. Well, he- I can
0: comment on that based upon, I think I have a little bit different view of. The present situation that other people do with this disclosure thing is I go back to Dr. Eric Walker in 1990 when we were talking to him and when Hal went to talk to him and when Kit Green went to talk to him. Kit Green went and says, oh, I've, I've got a security clearance to talk to you. I'd like to talk to you. And they talk about this, the Glomar Explorer for half an hour and they're all buddy-buddies. And as soon as he brings up UFOs, the place goes nuts and Walker starts freaking out. And Walker says, you give me two reasons why I should release the story, the, the, the answer. And, and then Kit Green gives him two answers. And then Kit says, well, I, apparently I didn't get the right answers because he threw him out of the office and, and basically said, you give me a letter from the president. And what Eric Walker said is what I think is the pushback is Eric Walker was on defense science board. He was Institute for Defense Analysis when he was there, when they formed DARPA, when they formed the Jasons and stuff, he was this high level guy. And he said, you tell me why we should change the rules to satisfy your curiosity. And it's the whole idea is in in the end, it is just basically basically curiosity ufo researchers just want to know that and so he said and then he said the question is so when you get the answer what are you going to do with it and the question is what are we going to do with it we're not going to do anything with it we're going to go that was good you know now i can tell my neighbors that i was right all along and 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 basically so the guys on the inside say we don't care what you you guys just want for curiosity this is national security stuff and we are not going to release this this is top. This is the, the highest level secret we've got and that's what you see going on with, with the Congress thing is, is I, I make the joke I say we, we had Blue Book and Blue Book shut the basically a thing down and said there's no threat to national security but at least when Blue Book was there we had the cases and we had the, the shapes of the objects now you say well what's the shape of the object 144 cases one was identified And you say, what about the, what are the shapes? Don't, can't tell no, you. That's nothing. classified. What about the cases? Oh, that's classified. And we're in a situation now where we know less than we did with Blue Book. And, and you see this pushback thing where all we've done is we, we've got Congress people now who know somewhat about what's going on and still they're controlling the show. And we're, and we're not going anywhere. We're going backwards. And we're going to get some more you know, investigate UFOs again and stuff like that. They basically, oh. you can see they've shut this thing down. And now you've got a situation right. where you've got a lame duck uh, administration, Congress, where you have two. Two different parties controlling and nothing's going to get done it's for the next two years even now you have senators who have you know been not elected or or house people and they're changing seats and and they're not doing anything till the end of the year and then you know they're going to be playing games for next two years and this thing just drags on and on and on and i i would
1: not be surprised if nothing happens in the next two years right and, you, and there there is factions and there again there are people again allegedly and and christopher mellon confirmed this that eric davis was in a a defense briefing and was telling these individuals Mm -hmm. you know about off-world vehicles and where they might be found and the modest operandi of how the secrecy is maintained eric and and
3: gary were in closed door sessions and and so were some of the the pilots and various people you know so
1: and where did it go? That's
3: what push. Well that's, that's what that's that's
1: why we have the, the NDAA. language
3: now. that's we why have we the have language. the language in the NDAA is that the, so that but, these folks can now turn around and testify publicly okay but Chris Mellon that's, was
0: asked Chris Mellon was asked and he said I know of no no plans for any
1: Senate hearings or house that, well, hearings. I I he, Chris has to be careful as, as what he says publicly. Yes. But I, I have heard a number from some people the people that are involved in these briefings that the, there are more briefings and hearings coming. It's, it's yeah, already... I've,
3: I've heard that too. People who know them directly but told not, me but, yeah, they but have been got, asked, they've been already
2: been asked and said
3: that they will.
2: The hearings because, that have happened so far have, have honestly have given us nothing, in my of opinion. Course. Right, right. We gave us I mean, a reference to Wilson Davis. Yeah, That yeah, yeah, was great. Okay. Uh, but actually, there's been no but Richard, follow up talk, in the public domain. Nothing. Okay. It's been nothing. And I, Richard, I'm with Grant. I think Grant's but, right. Okay.
3: I, I agree with you guys that okay, but I will say this. If what James and I are saying is right, that some of these people have already been approached to testify, someone's planning on something going on. So, now, yeah. now yeah. now and it and and Dan Sheehan tells me the reason that language, 31 pages of it, is in the NDAA is so that that can happen. In other words, that language is in there because they're trying to give clearance to not only the people that have spoken, but also to encourage others. So it's it's a wait and see the reaction to that. But the NDAA language is going in there. It will get signed before the end of the year. It has to because it's it's all the defense and military. Well, all the defense and military spending for next year are in there. So it has, the whole NDA package has to go through. And this is already in there. According to Dan Sheehan, this is already in there. It's not going to go through changes. It's locked in there. Is some, what he's told me.
1: Yeah. And some you, of the people, some of the people that they had wanted to speak with have already spoken to the right people. It's a, yes. regardless okay, of the language. But the, your, again, going you're talking, you're talking behind closed doors. You're That's talking
0: right. you're no, no, talking, and, and
1: Grant, I understand that. And I'm not saying this is oh, it's a done deal, guys. Like this is yeah, and it may and, be closed uh, door be, hearings. This this it is, may be this more, you know. Where I really appreciate um what George Knapp had to say is like the closer you get to this thing. Uh, the harder that the gatekeepers are going to, 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 to resist and, and fight back. And who knows, who knows what, and and we're kind of probably seeing the rollout of some of that now, like, you know, things are getting more serious and there's a clearly, again, there were all these articles and all, you know, UAP, UAPs are real. Now it's like, it's all silent. Right. And, and you have this New York times, uh, Julian Barnes put out this hit piece on the report, um, and, you know, again, the Daily Mail had to come up and say, no, that's actually all bullshit. <laughs> uh, this is what is is kind of in the report and stuff. So there's we're seeing that play out and we're going to continue to see it play out. There's factions, you know, again, like if you want to say Collins Lee and the people involved with that, who no, are. I think, no, I God, don't think we can just blame. The and, I, and I do want I want to get back to Inman and the crash. OK, but take a look. Go ahead. So
0: let's look at what Inman said. What did Inman do? He had just was interviewed and what he said. Oh, well, he said, you know, I can absolutely assure you there is no life besides us in this galaxy. And the 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 uh, Phoenix Lights that was jets on with their afterburners making a turn and the, the mogul balloon and he and 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 the, the drones, the, the Nimitz seeing the drones. They're going back and he's he, they're they're playing the game. We've got the inner circle. There's no way, and I, I would I would say that the the guys on the inside are going to be able to convince people that the core secrets here cannot be released because they do not figure they haven't got it got it figured out, and we're not going to give it to the Russians, we're not going to give it to the Chinese, and they're not for the sake of people's interest or curiosity they are not going to reveal these secrets because they it, it is is of national security importance and you could see inman playing the game they were going back and they're actually moved to step back he didn't concede anything in that interview that he just
2: did
1: right and and again well, i think uh, you
2: both sides have a point here i mean i i basically agree with grant <clears throat> i think that the people uh on the side of secrecy have way more cards to play but yes, i do I think, think you can interpret this ndaa as a uh, as a move, as a gambit by the other faction to right. try to create an opening. I mean, I, I think that's a fair a fair statement and, and really it's gonna come down to, will they succeed? Will they actually be exactly. able to with, with the few uh, people in Congress who actually might give a damn and might be willing to help uh, move that forward. But the real question is, what whistleblowers actually are going to be able to come forward without serious risk and, and how, how significant are those whistleblower protections? By the way, uh, you know, I mean, I've, I'm hearing that is got protections for whistleblowers. Is it is it true protection? The United States does not treat whistleblowers particularly well. So, you know, I'll, I'll believe it when I see it. I, right now, I think I I think I agree with well, Grant that I, this is not going to is not going to bust open. We're gonna I think- be looking at it.
3: I, I, I agree with you guys with with this one thing. I, it depends on the will of the senators and congressmen who are interested in this subject to know that that language passed in large numbers, large huge numbers. Pretty much all of it is what I'm hearing from the House and the Senate. So there's obviously those on board that agree, and and if if they hold to that, you know, now I know they didn't hold to the getting the report. You know, we still know report. So they, they, they didn't press it with that, but you know, are, are they waiting? I, we don't know, you know, so. Um,
0: can you ask Danny, can that, you ask Danny about the, sure. the protections? Cause Danny would know, are there protections for talking in classified hearings or in open hearings? Are they talking about that? They're going to allow these people. Well, they already had that's, classified. These guys it's, that's a good point. point. Yeah.
2: It's a classified. Of, that's already not.
3: Had, hang on. They've already had these guys in classified hearings so that i've already done that with a bunch of them my understanding is so that this could be public hearings so that those same no. people could go public now that's according Take to dan that's my understanding. Understanding. that's my understanding now i will i will ask them and clarify and 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 maybe james you know maybe i can get dan on to interview with you or grant you know or, or whatever we can Chris, do another panel with us and and, and danny i'll i'll ask yeah. him because christopher mellon because
1: so i mean again if yeah Christopher Mellon had, had an interview with uh, Linda Moulton Howe, and, and he he wanted to make clear that, you know, these protections are not so, you know, so uh, Lou Elizondo can can come on a podcast and say, I saw a, a full intact craft but so no, far. No, it's for no, the congressional pro- hearings. Right, but classified first. And okay. what we get in the public, I'm, I again, I'm skeptical, I'm optimistic, but I'm skeptical because... But I also realize we can't use the past so much as a, as a, as a true barometer in the sense that I ha- I didn't r- anticipate what happened in 2016, 2017, 2018 and forward happening. Right. So we are in uncharted territories. The language in itself is we're in uncharted that's right, that's territory. Right. And to me, so it's anything, the will. Sorry. anything can happen from, from, from this point on. I, I, I do think that, yeah, the, the the gatekeeper, so to speak, majestic zodiac have a very strong hold on it, but they're not the only game in town anymore. And that's clear. And I think that is probably bewildering to them for the first time ever. They have like somebody like pushing against them and succeeding to some extent.
3: Unfortunately, I feel that it's up to the Senate and Congress and that language and, and what it, and if their will is strong enough to, push this forward, the senators and congressmen on board with this. And if if their will is strong enough and they push it, but unfortunately we're all sitting back going, well, our Senate and the Congress gonna, gonna push this forward. You know, are they going to enact stuff in the NDA once it goes in? I mean, we were all let down by no report. And so, you know, now there could be a lot of reasons. Maybe we're still getting it. Maybe it's just going through rewrite and editing to, you know, and, and, you, and I, it may just be we're witnessing this dance, like we just said, between the secret keepers, the gatekeepers with the DOD and Senate and Congress. Trying to push the envelope, and so we could be, you know, witnessing that. Now we all know in, in this, you know, in this room here, in this panel, that there's been 75 years or more of intense cover up, and you know, so much has happened the last couple of years. I know we're all grateful for, but this is the beginning of a long haul. You know, yeah. I don't think anyone should give up at this point. I mean, I've been in this field 34 years and haven't given up. Richard, you've been in it. You know, enough. twenty-five or you know, twenty-eight, and haven't given up. Grant, you've been in as long as me, maybe even longer, you know, and haven't given up. So it's like, wait a second, everyone, you know, th- this is this is a lot to undo. This seventy-five years of cover-up, and I think we see these two sides fighting, and that's what we're seeing play out. And all I think all we can do is hold their feet to the fire. Yeah, you it's
1: know? like, it's, but I mean, the,
0: the the fact that you haven't got the report would tend to indicate to me you need to push a little harder because you're yeah. losing, exactly. losing yes. ground here yes or it's Amen. going the other way yeah if sure. you can't get the report out, which is just going to say, well we've got 365 reports and half of them were unidentified and that's all we can tell you if you can't get that out, how are you going to get out whistleblowers that are going to say, oh yeah, there's uh, some bodies over in this hangar and there's a right yeah, that's a long absolutely right.
1: a long I think really you're absolutely right on that and mm-hmm. and, and um and I, you e- know even
3: in this field. I see pushback.
1: Yeah, in oh, that yeah.
3: you have the people in this field. You have a crowd willing to say consciousness, like you and I, James and Grant and and Richard. We we're definitely on board with that, no doubt. I mean, Grant, that's his whole modus right <laughs> is is the consciousness stuff. So we have that, and then we have obviously the the abductees and, and their voice, and we still have a lot of people going back to the are there sightings? You know, is there Navy and military footage? Are there sightings? Are there sightings? You guys, I would put out a cautionary word to this community: don't fall into that trap of are there just you know sightings because it is so much bigger than that, obviously. But also, don't you know? Don't discount what the abductees have to say. There's a lot there that they have to offer. Um, and you know, and and don't just fall into the trap about are there sightings. There's there is, as we're talking about with this panel, there are crash retrievals, there's reverse engineering programs, there's legacy programs, there's a lot more to this subject. And it's gonna take a lot of years of pulling that out to have any form of big disclosure. We, and we, there's going
0: to be a special guest on Melinda Leslie's tour tonight.
3: Yes. Okay. <laughs> okay. You're crazy. You guys, I cannot say who. Hopefully later I can go public. But I Every, have it, you're
0: going to be famous so, by, by next couple so, of days. And, and, be it was, I it was. I announced assure here. you,
3: he and I will be talking about such things.
1: It was announced here. So Melinda goes back <laughs> and says but, who it is afterwards.
3: Know, and and, and uh, yeah. And, and so, uh, you know. And
1: Melinda, you got to send him this discussion afterwards. <laughs>
3: yeah, yeah. You know, um, I'll have a hidden oh, tape hey, recorder during my discussion. I've got to plug in. my
2: computer in. I'm I'm going to lose my battery. Yeah, okay. I was doing
3: that. That's I had what to do it? that too. Um, yeah, I didn't realize. And, yeah, so, I, but
1: I I I, I do want to say I though that too. yeah I do want to say there's, that there's uh,
3: there's more to this. There's more history. I can tell you without a doubt that the working group guys know a lot more. Than they're saying. I go back. To, it, it, I had a whole friendship with uh, uh, others involved, not just not just uh, Jack Halk, and 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 the things that I learned from them over the years. There's so much more that they know. Um, yeah. So definitely um, realize that you know that there's a lot more to this subject, and it's going to take everybody really pushing and digging but we did but but don't lose sight of the fact too we did make headway in the last five years oh yeah we have senate and congress addressing this that's huge and and i don't think it's done i really don't i mean maybe i'm having wishful thinking but i think those guys sounded really serious and they're not going to adjust just because the dod's pushing back that they're going to walk away that easily i really don't think so
0: right i I can add to that as 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 i was in this since 1975 and i always tell the joke that probably steve Bastard doesn't think is a joke is he asked at one conference he said this is i don't know it was in early 2000s and he said so when do you think disclosure is going to take place and all the speakers were on the panel and they went six months one year and it came to me and i went 2042 and Steve just looked at me like how could you say that in front of this entire audience and anyways and and I never believed I never believed it was ever going to happen so when 2017 happened even though I got warning beforehand from Chris Blatso and I knew about Jim Semivan and I knew they were they were going to drop this thing under Hillary and stuff like that even then i still didn't believe it and so when it happened i was more shocked than anybody i i just could not believe it had actually happened so now when people say when do you think disclosure is going to happen i say i would not be surprised if it happens tomorrow morning because i got absolutely totally i had no clue i was coming right. the first time and so, well hey you were you, you know. were
2: more right than most of the people on that panel you were at least giving it about uh, 20 years yeah. <laughs> so that's not bad uh, i'm i'm kind of with you on that one also i've I I had so many friendly arguments with Steve Bassett over a disclosure. I can't remember them all. And uh, Steve is always, it's going to happen tomorrow. It's going to happen next week. And I was always like, what drugs are you taking? I want those (laughs) drugs. I want, I want that optimism. Uh, I never, I never really believed it, but uh, anyway. Yeah. And I, I, I do know,
1: you know, the intention of, of, people working in this issue right so the people that are that are pushing from transparency the people from the working group they're i mean they're fully intending to roll out the 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 crash retrieval conversation you know will they
2: succeed i mean that's the that's the whole that's the crash retrieval that is the red line yeah it is the red line yeah but, you know, but, until you go over that one, <clears throat> uh, the government or the, the secret keepers, they can play this little game of pretend like, well, oh, there's something out there. We don't know what it is. And we can we can pretend that we just discovered this phenomenon uh, f- from 2004 with the Tic Tac. We didn't know it was anything before that. You know, they they play this little game. But with once you start acknowledging that we've recovered their technology, now you're now you're into real conspiracy. And we are tech- in an era I'm where. Richard,
3: technology and bodies.
2: Yeah. Absolutely, Melinda. Absolutely. So now you're into hardcore conspiracy. And just keep in mind, we now live in an era where you are not supposed to believe in conspiracies, like literally you're not. Conspiracy theories uh, are trashed everywhere by the establishment. And what is a bigger conspiracy than what we're talking about? The UFO cover-up alien technology and bodies. There's nothing bigger. Yeah, and and that's so why- I have a very hard time Believing that the you know right. the secret keepers are just going to walk away from the table and say, "Here's everything." I just Rich, don't.
1: I don't believe it. I'm going to take a quote from you that I always love. That you said this: uh, "It's impossible, but it's inevitable." Right? Yes. So I did say that. Uh, That's right. I, 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 <laughs> yeah, tra- a bunch. Yeah, and it is you know, a especially the old 2010 yeah. era. Well, um, and but, sightings but, are but on the increase. Really, yeah but the legacy programs are incredibly important because i got I got um a quote from hal I said, hal, you know, give me a quote for like uh, you know just the uh what are what's a legacy program and he he said that you know the Uap legacy program is basically Uap studies um going back decades so it's not like, oh we got a crash retrieval from 2010 like they like that. legacy programs are important because they go back through history so that you're i mean like we're talking roswell or trinity um you know or the the italian case now which which lou lou was supportive at least of the evidence of that case the 1933 uh, italian retrieval of an off-world vehicle where you know the american i think that's a
2: pretty good case the more i look at that Roberto Pinotti is the researcher who really dug that out. And uh, it does seem legit.
1: Lou was lending credence to it. And, you know, allegedly the Americans seized it in, in 1945 and, you know, towards the end of World War II when we got that, because allegedly the Germans had got it. And I mean, that would explain their interest and maybe headway in that topic, although I don't think they got as far as a lot of people think they did. Um, there is some kind of weird connection over there between um, the Germans, the occult, and and flying saucers, UFO technology. Um, but then again, and you know, the Americans
2: allegedly got hold of it in 1945. I and- believe the Italian case more than I believe in the German Black Forest case, supposedly right, like in 1936. Right. Yeah, yeah, which I don't believe as much or at all. But I think the Italian case seems uh, much more legitimate. Yeah. The, other, so the other
0: thing I wanted to mention here is the fact that part of this is up to us, and it's it's up to the pressure that have been put on, and by the podcast world. I mean, the podcast world has sort of changed it, where people like Richard and I and Melinda sort of identified who the Avery people watch, these people, and people started to pay attention to Kit Green and Hal put off and then the Bigelow that thing, and and we put a lot of pressure on people to talk where people are like you're putting your podcast and Elizondo's on there and these little things slip out and more and more we're we're learning because we know exactly where to push the buttons now whereas before we really didn't know who was the covering up who knew or whatever but at least now we've got we've got a podcast uh,
2: platform where we can use, and we know who the people are to and keep sending letters into press. This is why. And- this is why there is an inevitability. I said impossible disclosure is impossible, but inevitable, and it's for reasons like this. Because our society has changed so dramatically in the last couple of decades, where we have a, a community where we're able to talk like this and have conversations, and also bring in some of those much more powerful or important insiders as well so yeah there's there's definitely pressure coming up from below that's what we sometimes forget there is definite pressure coming from the people that's us um that is helping to push this matter and keeping it, keeping it out in the open and, this and- not have ha- this didn't happen in the 1980s because it couldn't happen in the 1980s yeah. there wasn't the uh the infrastructure in place like we have today.
1: And it's important that these people are cooperating. Listen, like, you know, Gary Nolan gave me the story about the quality pertainment to publish. Right. Um, he, he let me and and my friend Jay break that story and he couldn't have done, just done that. Right. Like obviously Kit had right. to say, go ahead. Right. And yeah. then it goes through Gary. And then Gary allowed me to make the first public story on that. And, um, and again yeah gary was at one of our events i mean he's out there talking about it and and here he he wrote a paper for one of the one of the committees that he spoke about about how opening up this issue you no know, at, at least at the very first from the inside is is a virtuous cycle of you know the potentials for technology and innovations and and see, people seem to like that idea and again he said, "You know, first you have to have it has to be a U.S. thing before it's a global thing. So why is this important for the U.S.? Well, if we can get ahead in technology, um, you know, that'd be a great thing. So I think that people making those arguments and again, A.TIP wanted to include academics. They did not succeed um, technically, but at the same time, Gary is like a proof of concept where you have an academic who's kind of half in, half out. He's obviously, I mean." I don't, I don't know this. He didn't tell me this, but I would assume that he's been able to access, uh, sensitive information. Um, but he's not, he's not overly crossing the line either. And he's able to help them. Um, and, and Gary wants, and, and others are pushing for more academics to get involved, which from what I understand is, is currently underway. It's like, it's happening. Um, to what extent I, you know, I'm not sure, but, even if they're not giving classified information, more academics are coming on board and, and going to participate and give the subject more credibility.
0: Yeah. And, and the people that we've, we've gotten out there now are lending credibility, but the New York times did everything. That was the one day that changed the world in terms of these guys being able to come forward. And then maybe they heard how much money that Tim Taylor made on his invention. And, uh, you know, uh, how many patents he and Gary Nolan have and, and they suddenly realized like, maybe there's some money in this, maybe there's some technology. And uh, let's take a look at this thing. It's, it's completely changed the world, that New York Times article. And it was the old deal. Cause I remember I wrote the article called the 64 reasons they've decided not to tell you the truth. And it was, you know, the stock market's going to melt down and the people are going to jump off, you know, bridges and stuff. And none of that happened. Absolutely nothing. It was yeah, sort of and, a, and People had been gotten ready. They've been acclimatized and everybody went, yeah, I know that already. Okay, now just tell me where are they from? Where's the bodies? Is that true? And, and, and that's what I think part of this mm-hmm. is, that people are getting acclimatized to this. And it really doesn't shock. There's not as many skeptics around anymore as there was in the days when I started
1: where you definitely kept your head down. And, you know... I just want to say very quick, and then Melinda can go. I, it's important to note that, you know, these people getting these patents and all this stuff that uh, Timothy Taylor and Gary Nolan, uh, you know, they were written about in American Cosmic, but they're both experiencers, you know. Yeah. Well, both-
0: a, I don't think people realize how many of them are experiencers. I mean, there's even a re- right. re- reference that Hal Putoffs is an experiencer, and his kid had this 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 sighting in in uh, Phoenix just after the big sighting. And uh, Jim Semivan, and you start Eric going Davis. through. And Eric Davis had the yeah. sighting on the day that he graduated. And you start looking at this, and you go, you know, like, wow, maybe this is not you know coincidence where these guys are all, you know, having these uh, these connections to the to the field that they. They wanted to, to you know work in this field and and uh, that's all the timing is just right or whatever's going on. But this is what you find with the general stuff.
2: public. So many more yeah. people have had yeah. experiences yeah. than you ever hear.
3: That was Richard. You are just making right. my my point that I was about to bring up, which is I think in some ways this has become the secret that they can no longer keep. And yes, we have this pushback, this infighting, slowing down. But you guys, I also'm quick to say, look, a couple of weeks or a couple of months of slowing down is not slowing down over oh. seventy five years. So when you go back to last five five years, you go, well, there's been a constant, and I don't see anything. Yeah, maybe tapered off a little, but it's still going going up. And I think it became the secret they can no longer keep because sightings are up to a huge degree. And the sharing of sighting information on social media is so big. I think it's become where it's it's becoming such common knowledge. I can tell you from people coming out on my tours every night, not only having sightings on my tours, but all these people opening up about their previous sightings. So sightings are extremely common. UFO sightings are extremely common, and. Uh, And and so many people in power now have had them, as you guys were just saying. So I think that factors in to this in many ways being the secret they can no longer keep. Abductions are up, they're not going away, you know, and I'm thinking I'm realizing it's better for them someone made a decision somewhere along the way, like Richard, you were asking earlier, how high up? I I don't know the answer to that, but someone has made a decision to say the the timing is now it's got to be the timing. Um, And yet those that may be the gatekeepers or the secret maintainers are, are pushing back. So I think we're seeing that play out. And uh, I just want to encourage everyone keep, keep at it, keep doing the work. It's not, It's not going away.
2: and I'd like uh, to to add one thing. Um, I agree with everything you just said, Melinda. I think um, it's become very important to kind of break this subject open as quickly as we can, because however you look at it, uh, I've been saying this now for a few years, but our world is in the midst of a global revolution. It's happening right now. It is happening all around us. Uh, you could say COVID really accelerated it. I think that's right, but it was even going on before that. We're looking at a global, coordinated revolution to create a kind of new digital society. Um, I will say a digital society of control, uh, but also a digital a society of a tremendous amount of information control. It's very obvious to me, and so um, you know the question of of where does the UFO we call it disclosure or UFO, the end of UFO secrecy. How does this fit into it? Um, it doesn't seem like it's a coincidence to me that in the, let's say 80 years that uh, this phenomenon has been kind of in our consciousness, in our awareness, that we've been seeing a lot of these uh, craft. Yes, I, I think there's been a longer uh, visitation, but I personally believe that things change in the 20th century and, and they change specifically because of our development as a society, as a civilization. Our technology got us to a level where we were getting attention now. And so I don't think it's an accident that we started receiving massive amounts of visitation at the time now we're looking in the 21st century that we're actually moving into a completely new phase of human existence. One that we've never had before. And I don't know if it's a good phase by the way, but we're definitely seeing it. This is a very different kind of society that is being created worldwide, um, where we're turning ourselves into a society of much more like a hive mind, if you really think about it. 5G, 6G surveillance, 24 seven propaganda, believe this, believe that, believe this. It's like, uh, and if you you have wrong think, boom, you're out. So you can see it happening. The culture's changing, the centralized control is happening. We are, I'm gonna tell you, we're becoming like them. In a lot of ways, and I don't, I don't think that's a coincidence. No. So, so what I want to know is, what is the relationship between these other beings that have swarmed us and swarm us every single night, every single night? There are black triangles over someone's house at two thirty in the morning every single night, multiple times in this world. Uh, they're coming out of bodies of water. They're going into bodies of water. What the hell is that all about? What are they doing? But and why are they interacting with us? And is it an, is it a coincidence that they're doing all this while we're going through this massive transformation? Right. And 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 disclosure matters for, for that and among other reasons.
3: Well, there there is a consciousness interaction as the consciousness of the planet. You know, Rich, I hear what you're saying and I and I agree that there'll be those that try to use to control it. But don't just see the negative side of that. Yes, is there a possible negative? We have to be mindful of that and watchful of that and not allow that control to happen. Absolutely. But at the same time, I'm gonna get real woo-woo on everyone here, okay? It's the new age, you know, it is the age of Aquarius. It was supposed to be the age of a technology. Well, it is, okay. We're also those changing in consciousness of the planet where where there is less division between people. There is greater compassion and understanding in that less division because there's more communication happening between different groups of people and different ideologies. And so is is there kind of a a melding together? Is there a possible negative spin like you were just saying, Richard? Yes, but let's not forget the possible positive spin that is equally there. We've
2: ended the polarization in our world. I'm glad to know this. No,
3: no, not completely. No, no. Uh but we're, we're going through a healing process. You, Richard, you know what I mean? You know what I mean? I, we're going I through a healing process. Okay, hang on, I, hang on. Let me make my point. Sure, sure. We are expanding as a planet. And Grant, I know you probably agree with me here with this increased consciousness and awareness, okay? That is going on. That is not to be forgotten. And, and so, yes, are so we becoming more like them, but we're coming more like them and that people are becoming more psychic, more intuitive, you know, more expanded that way. This is increasing. And, At the same
2: time that we move into a global totalitarian system. Sure. Okay. I guess it's a okay. Trade-off. But
3: I'm saying, no, I'm saying be aware of that. Yeah. And, and yes, do everything, to stop it. But, but there are also positive things going on with this change and this shift in consciousness. And so there is that positive side and people need to keep that in mind that we're growing in those abilities in that awareness and that that is happening too. The beings operate on consciousness. We know that Grant writes books about it. Okay, <laughs> and and James knows it. He's in he's in CE five and ice groups. That you know it. It's all about consciousness. That is demonstrated every night on my tours. I don't claim to do CE five, but we do it by. Osmosis, And, you know, it ends up being that what we think has everything to do with the tours that night when I have a group of clients who are really positive. We have amazing sightings, including structural craft. When I have anyone out there being negative judgmental, it's a, it's not as good of a night, you know, and it, it happens so consistently. I've now done one thousand five hundred and ninety as of tonight. Tonight is tour one thousand five hundred ninety. And so I can say that I'm getting a good idea of the general populace idea on this, where their minds add on it. And, and you have an increased awareness. As I started to say, my points that I was making was that it is, be, is becoming the secret they can no longer keep. I think that's part of why it's shifting. And, and it will play into the decisions. And Richard, even those concerns you have, this subject will play into that you know, and and all of us need to say so, and I say all of us, I mean all of humankind, certainly everyone in ufology, because we can help direct that and, and hold people's feet to the fire, push for truth, for the knowledge, for, you know, as I started to say, there was infighting in the UFO field, I see so many people pushing back on the fact that it's E.T., and people going well uh yeah of course we hear that from the guys involved in this process like you were just saying linda moulton house you know interviewing these other guys that you go wait a second these guys are even like it's everyone's afraid to say it's et i i'm sorry i call bullshit because i know that the working group guys know without a doubt it's et now they had those discussions with me themselves years ago they know it is well, okay and, and, and so and when how- they're dialing back on that don't fall into it, everyone. We need to it, stick with this. This is, it's about ETS. It's about consciousness as much as it's about the technology.
1: Right. And, and, and Hal, Hal wrote the paper called, you know, the Ultra Terrestrial Hypothesis. So he's basically saying it's it's a non human intelligence, possibly ET, possibly interdimensional, possibly all of the above. And uh, again, right. you know, what's some of what we're talking about here is like the, the cultural effects. Um, or or you know similar to valet's uh, the control hypothesis yeah. you know regarding you know the rollout of this right how much how much is the phenomenon um, guiding or influencing or some people would use the term manipulating kind of the the rollout of disclosure and even human consciousness right sure. in our development and our beliefs. Um. Just, so there's there's so much to unpack there, and I don't well, I don't with, want to get too far into that. But we, and without you know, a doubt, I, doubt, they could. Well, they to, could end it I'm, at you know, any point I want point. to say, you know, because if they want show to touch up in both. mass,
3: that would end it right there.
1: Right, they could. They could do that at any point in time. Um. And they but, haven't. You know, right. They have not. So, but they're coming you know, more I, and more.
3: So that's apparent. Sightings we, are going up until they do. The group they, sightings yeah. are are going up.
1: Right. And you know, Richard has kind of i don't want to say a negative spin on some of the things that are going on um but that's certainly that's one putting it one too the, mildly <laughs> well no that's that's one side of the coin and and melinda what you're saying is the other side of the coin and, and again I'm in the middle i great right, and and so am i because I, you know uh, again, let, me, I, let me quote
0: john lennon because because in the end it's all consciousness we are not the actor on the stage we are playing an actor on the stage john lennon said in the end it'll all be okay if it's not okay it's not the end Right. And, and Melinda's got a, her special
1: guest coming in one minute. Do you? who's who's the guest? No, I'm kidding.
3: I can't say. Um, can't say. I, know, <laughs> I can't say I
1: know. I know. But uh, you know, I'm hopefully
3: I can later, but not I'm, I'm you should Maybe shut her down
1: for today. Yeah. I'm I'm optimistic, but at the same time, I've had I've had the, the contact experiences where I was shown global things that are not good, right? So what what's what is what's the intention, the motive behind during a contact experience i'm shown like an apocalypse right i don't know uh okay so can you give me a detail because i've never heard the story is it is it water related
0: or is it nuclear related
1: nuclear i've heard both the the one i i had several that were nuclear
0: okay okay um i
1: and again i don't i don't think i've actually publicly talked about that before but um you know, again, I came into this as an experience I'm doing all this stuff that I'm doing now because I had contact experiences that affected me. Is that a type of guidance? Is that a type of manipulation? That's a key question that people are ignoring
0: is the messages that the experiences are getting. Why are experiences getting these messages in in, in terms of why they're being and they're being ignored? They're You know, because you've got them and I've heard them. I mean piles and piles of these stories
1: uh yeah i mean i and- personally i've grown more skeptical over the years since the experiences in the sense that i'm more agnostic now to the interpretation the meaning and the motive behind them before i i took it when i was younger and and even like even 10 15 years ago i took all this stuff very literally nowadays right. i you know again i've been practicing meditation over you know for a long okay, time
0: it's changed you. It's changed your your attitude, and it's changed. It's it's made you sort of more compassionate. It's like um, what's her name? Um, Susie Hansen tells a story about the where I talk about the rapid image cycling. They use this rapid yeah, image yeah, cycling yeah, yeah. thing, where she's shown where there's got like, two hundred people in this in the studio in the in the um, the. Um, auditorium and to show an image and an image and image and image and they, they go faster and faster and then she says and after a while they're going more than a hundred a second and that's Bankston that's that's Bankston's teaching right, about right. and she, and then the being comes and he just puts his hand across like this and everybody stops crying and and all this wailing and crying and people and and it all the the the, the crying goes away but the emotion stays with people and it may be just that they're shifting emotion they're changing in terms of you're a different person after those experiences. The same as when I had my psychedelic experience. I had five experiences that were literally hell. I mean, there's no other way to describe it. And it was going to last forever. And it was like nothing that you could ever describe. And, and I came out of it. And I tell you, I'm a, a different person. After, after yeah. you have an experience like that, you can well, hear it. in you, you, experiencing it is a different thing.
1: And I had something that was akin to a near-death experience too. So, I mean, again, the odds that I had those kind of precognitive experiences that ended up in a daylight UFO sighting that was followed by me being called outside of my house and there's a craft there. Yeah. And somehow this uh, this near death experience thing, the trauma induced out of body experiences in the middle of it, I don't see how that's just by chance it uh, could be but if it is i guess that's, it's lucky. that's the
0: big question i always ask if you have the near-death experience 37 percent of experiencers have had near-death experiences and i say what's the chance that you randomly had an abduction experience and randomly had a near-death experience and 37 percent of people have got the same thing you got to start looking at the patterns and say maybe there's something here we should be looking at
1: yeah um but again, yeah, so that gets to kind of like again, Richard's angle on it, which I think is very crucial. We have to keep that in mind. But at the same time, what Melinda was saying, I think we have to have that that positive mindset as you know John Wheeler's participatory universe. I think that, that exactly. consciousness influencing matter, which we know right. is right. you know happens, whether you're talking about placebo effect, where your thoughts literally you know affect the physical you know process of your mind. Uh, you know, uh, neuroplasticity, your thoughts are literally changing the, the you know, your brain. I,
3: I teach um, psychokinesis and, classes all the and time. And I've, I've, I've that done that actually. I've done the that spoon. De- yeah. Where people, people are demonstrating every time in my classes that their minds affect matter. Right. And, and, it, and oh. everybody takes my class Ben's. And about twenty percent of those people do hands-off bending, where they're holding the silverware only from the base, and the top manipulates or goes over.
1: Yeah. Well, I, and- again, I think you need a balance of these perspectives. You have to keep both in mind, and kind of like, you know,
0: but but you create what you what you you create what you believe. That's that John 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 I, I be careful where he about talks that. to Ben, right? He, I know. I think sir, this is the Biden. He says it's, to Biden. It's just strange that I'm the psychiatrist and I'm getting all, and you're getting all the bad ones and I'm the psychiatrist and I'm getting all the seeking ones. And he said, maybe, bud, that has more to do with you and I uh, the, and and what's going on as as to why we're getting these things. Yeah, but I
1: think and- what Richard is saying is crucial here because we need you still have to work in both worlds. You can't just wish and dream everything away. It's not. I mean, I but wish I realized you're
0: part of what you believe. But yeah, you, yes, but also your, your physical actions,
1: your your actions that you take physically, right, are are also um, influenced by beliefs. That. Totally. It, it's it's no, part well, of that. Look, it's none cattle. of my
2: beliefs are going to change the fact that within another decade or so, we're all going to be living in a digital panopticon where you have no privacy for the rest of all time. Nothing's going to change that. That's, happening. that's
3: not true, Richard. You can change it. And, and don't ever think in absolutes that way. Things can be changed. The will of the people and the mind of the people can absolutely change how things are going to turn out. And that is why it's important for people to be informed, to vote, to be educated, to to share information. And because we do have the ability to change things. Well, oh,
2: thank thank you for that belief. I don't agree with that belief. I would love for that to be true. I think there are far too many powerful forces at work in our world, beyond nations. We're talking nations, corporations, private groups. It's, it's happening.
3: And uh, there are far too many reasons for it in to happen, and
2: it's it's not going to stop. So my only question is is there an is there a relationship that these ETs have toward that transformation that's which is um, happening? Yes, That's an excellent
1: question, question, is what is their role in this and how how, how do they want to affect us if exactly. they have a, a, a do they, goal? Do they
2: support it? Do they oppose it? Right. Or do they right. Just not care? Or are, are they involved in it? Oh,
1: no, are they care. Go to all fashions, the Right. Are there different intelligences that want one thing and different intelligence intelligences yeah. that want go, another? Go
3: to all the uh, abduction accounts. The abductees who re- have deep recall of their experiences say these guys care in every way. They're constantly giving us warnings against nuclear energy, against dis- destroying the environment, destroying the planet, about how we treat each other. They're extremely concerning. If you just go with all the abduction accounts and what's shared there, there are common threads in there.
1: Loose threads.
3: What? I said loose there's loose threads, threads. Loose threads. I, there's I loose threads in the abduction research it's, without a doubt saying that they these beings care in every way and they want us to wake the bleep up
1: right on okay so so sure you man. know we're we're basically <laughs> at our time now and you know i i mean i could go with you guys forever man this is like awesome really and i'm super appreciative that all you guys came and joined for this conversation and i you know we got to do this sometime again but you know, just so everybody can go off, and and so Melinda can tell us who our her secret guest is. <laughs> uh, no, let's just go around. We'll, we'll go counterclockwise. So we're going anti gravity here. um and they just, by the way, spin. you guys, they
3: just texted me. They're running late, so we're okay. Uh, who, who did? Who did? My my, my secret guest. <laughs> Who's your secret guest? Yeah, te- okay. te- texted me. They're running late. Yeah. So.
1: Well, okay, so let's start with you. We're gonna go Grant, Richard, Melinda. um final words to the audience, parting words. I know we're going to get a good balance here. So go ahead. Start with you, Grant. you have any parting words for the audience? Anything Okay, I don't think much is is random in the world.
0: I think uh, reincarnation is a fact we all came in here and we have to own up to the situations we're in. We can't be the victim and that you got to remember in the end it's all going to be okay. And so the only thing I say that's important is you have to realize you're not the actor on the stage. You are playing an actor on the stage because you were King Henry VIII in high school it doesn't mean you're King Henry VIII. We're playing a role. So the idea is we come into the world and we going to leave the world and we're going to get asked one question how did it work out because we planned it there we can't blame our mother-in-law the dog ate the homework the government whoever it's all going to be up to us so we got to only concern about one thing we came into the world to do something and we we have to figure out what are we here to do and are we doing it and that's why i say that i've always been so honored to be in this field like i could have been an untouchable in the streets of calcutta and lived in in a junkyard and spent my whole day looking for food for something valuable enough to sell for food for tomorrow i didn't i got to play in the greatest super bowl story of all times and i'm honored to be a part of this thing and i think everybody should be just think that wow we got to play we got most people don't even realize this game is playing they don't even realize what's going on they don't even realize there's a stadium we're in the stadium we may be the water boy the quarterback or whatever but we're in the stadium playing the biggest most mag- magnificent story of all times. And we should write down what we've got and be honored. The fact we got to be here. Richard.
2: Right, first of all, that was beautiful. And I, I agree with everything Grant just said there. Um, I have a, I have a definite spiritual orientation in my life, which I've developed over the years. It's very strong with me. And it's the one thing that keeps me sane because when I look at how upside down our world actually is, uh, if I didn't have that kind of orientation, out I'd have lost it a long time ago. Um I um actually agree with a lot of what Grant and, and Melinda say about consciousness and it's important and um you know, the need for us to continue to und- recognize the the true essence of what we are, which are we're beings that are greater than what we think we are. My wife, Tracy, says this all the time. I totally agree with it. It doesn't change the fact, though, that we are in the middle of a, of a definite global revolution that is designed to create a totalitarianism. That's happening. And so... Um, you know, that doesn't mean it's the end of all things. It just means that that's what we're moving into. And we need to we need to wake up to that. Um, I'm interested in understanding what is the relationship of these other beings to that transformation, as well as to the relationship of the human elites that are involved in making it happen and where the uh, UFO secrecy fits in all of it. And the last thing I'll just say is I've, I've always believed that uh, breaking the UFO secret, breaking the ET secret is still one of our last best hopes for for dealing with this this new system that's coming on around us. In other words, a system of control. So by having a genuine, I don't even say disclosure anymore, let's call it exposure. Exposure by those of us who are able to make it happen to to break open this uh, stifling, straitjacket of lies that uh, enforced fiction that we're all basically made to live in. Uh, I think we need to have truth to uh, shine on all of it. And I think if we were to get to a point where people were to realize, wow, this is real. I mean, we're, we're kind of in that disclosure state now a little bit. Grant talked about 2017, the New York Times. Yes, but it's not a full disclosure. It's not an admission. It's not the president. It's not the government saying, yeah, as a matter of fact, the aliens are here. They haven't done that. In fact, they've gone very far from that. They're very, very far from that. So I think when we if we get to that point and we can we can break open the story of crash retrievals, which James, I know you wanted to cover more. We will. <laughs> but crash retrievals are the red line. We break through that, we have a chance to expose a lot more because people are going to start thinking, you lied about this for 80, whatever years. What else have you been lying about? Yeah. What else can we just open up? And and I really feel we need to do that if we want a truly healthy global society. That's right. And Melinda?
3: I agree 100% with what both Grant and Richard have both expressed. And Richard, like you were just saying, we need the truth to be able to be a fully functioning global society that can make intelligent decisions on the future of, of the planet, on the future of all beings on the planet, and, and our relationship with anyone who may be out there off planet. So without that truth, we can't make good decisions. And I'm hoping Senate and Congress has, I'll go ahead and say the balls to to, to stick with this and push for it further. I hope certainly that those kind of Somewhat appointed spokespeople in the field who are communicating with them, whether it be a Lou or Chris or Danjian or Jim or whatever, you know, um, that these folks continue to push it and don't let up, and uh, and we've we've made tremendous headway. I hope that that'll continue. I think everyone should realize. We're, we I think Grant said earlier, we have our work to do. you know we definitely have our work cut out for us to keep this ball rolling forward, and no one could be complacent. Also, don't fall into the traps of, you know, there's no ETs or it's only about sightings because that could be part of the pushback crowd directing us away from the truth. And the truth is, we're not alone and these beings may be much more advanced in consciousness than us i think there's a lot of evidence suggesting that's likely and and we can learn and grow together as a human race and have an amazing future on this planet and so you know and yes address those concerns richard that you bring up you know address those not just roll over but address them but without the truth we're we're left living lies and the lies just keep getting worse, not getting better. So the truth has got to start somewhere. And I agree, Grant, for us to be here on this planet at this time, part of this subject, we're on the forefront of that change. The four of us on this panel very much are, very, very much are. And 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 you know we'll all write more books you know and and do more to put more information out there and so we are a part of this change and i am so br- proud to be a part of this community
0: Thank and you. especially with the people you get to meet with tonight okay and, and, and
3: there's and there's some good there's some good there's some, some, there's some, benefits. some benefits in there
1: melinda t- you know tell tell your, knobby,
0: yeah, guests, yeah. tell your special
3: guest
1: <laughs> tell your special guest that we all personally said hello and uh, thank you for their yeah. contributions to the field
3: i certainly will
1: all right well you know thank you so much guys for doing this we we really got to do this again this is awesome um, a lot of fun yeah, yeah. and i you know I, I really appreciate the kind of different perspectives like we can have slightly different angles on it and i i it's enriching to me i think it's it's a great dialogue and,
3: Hang and on. I'll, be right I'll be right back Hang on.
1: okay we'll and be by the time we get here We're not
2: going to be here. Bye, Bye, Melinda. We love you. (laughs) Bye, Melinda.
0: Can I can I leave with a question? Not that I wanted answered, but it just occurred to me in the last couple of months, and that is, if we get full disclosure, will reptilians, grays, and mantids be allowed to
1: emigrate and walk in the streets of America? That's a great question, and and kind of like I just aside that I want you know the columns elite. You know, again, that's an informal name for an alleged group. Their, their belief was that if there was a disclosure that we're basically inviting demonic forces into our world. And I, I think that's fa- fascinating. And even though they're um, evangelical or Christian fundamental yeah. religious in their nature, they're, that's a very occult idea, actually, that you're thinking about an, uh, an intelligence and you're attracting it towards you. That's not a that, that's not actually very evangelical or Christian. If you think about it, that's an occult understanding. But
0: it's still a, a Christian belief. I mean, I even had yeah. the, the, the conversation with Art Bell and we got into this the, this sort of fight and he said, I will shoot them as they come off the ship. That was Art Bell. Wow. <laughs> so people have these beliefs about, you know, and, you know, I, I live in pe- with people who, I mean, my first, my first wife said, uh, and near the end of the marriage she said i i believe it's demonic and that's when i thought to myself this is not good where am i going with this like, yeah. how, how do you go i get out of this like, and oh,
1: I'm, 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 I'm i'm still trying know. to like reconcile or try to understand it's like why have i had like mostly positive experiences i've had i've had other experiences that were not um so positive but they each experience had a a different um like i Obviously, it could all be the same intelligence acting as different players, so to speak. But I, I got a distinct different um, perception and vibe from some of the different interactions that, you know, where
2: I would say, OK, that's not the same thing as what I had encountered. Well, I'll, in another... I'll offer my opinion because because people are different, but also these beings are different. I don't think they we're looking at one group. I think we have a whole right. neighborhood coming. In, I, right?
1: I agree, right. too. I agree with uh, that. There's
2: case. too many specific stories with way many D- differences in detail that it just seems to me we've got a we've got the whole neighborhood here james, yeah I, I, not they're not all they're not all it? of the higher consciousness could, could, that we hear like me? to think maybe, maybe I can hear some you. james, are, can you james hear? i think, I think some you are need not. To
0: come out of, you need to come out of the closet because closets are for clothes
1: i i i you know i i i talk about a little here a little there i don't I'll have, I have to interview you can i interview you you can you can let's, let, let's get to let's get this out yeah, you could do that. Um,
0: I, I would love that because you, you've got stories that, that I think that match up with some of the stuff I've heard and be interesting. Okay. That's all I've got to say. I'm, I'm leaving.
1: Okay. Okay. Oh, wait, Melinda, did you have anything else or we're, we're, we're going to close just, it down here? Just,
3: I, I don't know what I missed right there. Sorry. <clears> um, <throat> I heard commotion outside and I had to know what was oh, Not here up
1: yet. yet. Not
0: there. here
3: yet. Not here yet. And for everyone out there, I was going to i wanted them to come on but they but they had texted me that they were not willing to do that unfortunately so uh, all
0: right tell, I was, well, we I was, still got a story out of it though we still got yeah, a story. yeah 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 and tell there'll me be more, more. there'll be
3: more story there'll be more after afterwards because okay um, but and if he wants but, to do a uh, debut on engaging say, the know,
1: phenomenon i'd totally be down for that
3: yeah. as i just will say i you know as someone who's an in, in abductee, i've had a, a variety of experiences certainly most of my et ones have been positive, and/or you know, a choice to view them in a positive light. Uh, the only ones that were really wet, rough were the covert ones, which could get pretty rough, you know. Yeah. But those guys are just, you know, they're just trying to learn. Like, like, like had been said in in the in the in the, the threads doc, in the threads, you know, piece, loose threads. It had been said that that these. Um, Guys, the working group guys and everybody, we're just saying that that people wanted to know, like to, you had to get close to us to get close to understanding the beings, yeah. and I think that's why there's that covert involvement and always has been, because they know that they got to get close to us to get covert
1: close to the being. He, covert human
3: covert human involvement right, like- because they have to get close to us like it like it had said in there and and there was even more that omega said they were going to have in there and i'm going to encourage them to to go that direction maybe in a follow up article and uh, see if i can help them with it but i i suggest that they that they do that because um, there okay. is there is a lot to be said there and a lot more that can be known. OK, you know, I got
0: to leave. So say hi to Brock, <laughs> and uh, we'll talk to you later. Later, Greg. <laughs> hey,
2: before, before you cut this off, James, <laughs> Yeah, uh, I'll just say the loose, <laughs> that Loose Threads document, <clears throat> you know, at the very beginning of this, you were asking me to encapsulate it. But I was thinking, I mean, there was a, quite a bit more. Uh, Melinda brought up the whole biological testing element, uh, basically, apparently, seemingly spearheaded by Kit Green in the early days. To which has now become this amazing study that Kit Green and Gary Nolan and I'm sure others are involved in essentially checking the genetics of experiencers. That's really, I think, what it comes down to. Uh, And that's absolutely fascinating. And they talk about that there. And then the other thing that I just wanted to mention for someone who, you know, because everyone should read this document. Uh, They talk about directed energy weapons and uh, the whole plan, I don't know, to take down ufos using uh directed energy weapons and you know they cited virginia and uh peru 1997 as examples i, I thought it was very interesting um, right. and-, and then the whole idea about tracking and, and baiting ufos basically drawing them in and and um and using various technologies to find them
1: yeah very and true. and yeah and the funny thing about that too is that you Know and even in the 1990s, Stephen Greer was saying he had an insider talking about neutrinos and neutrino detectors, right?
2: And we're talking about anti neutrino something, yeah. I mean, there's right. only me, so but that, that's in loose threads,
1: and so that that came forward, yeah, um, in the conversation nowadays. Yeah. And on top of that, okay, I remember guys,
3: I'm so sorry, apparently, my guests are here and
1: uh, <laughs> and, and they I don't want to say go. hello.
3: Well, I'll, I'll ask one more time, but I don't think so. One ask moment. one more time. <laughs>
1: But so rich, and the yes. funny thing is, I remember hearing Greer talk about that, and in in a um, in some science article years after he was talking about it, it said, "Oh, neutrinos could possibly travel faster than light," and that would make sense, right? That we're we're talking then faster than light or some kind of advanced energy technology, and this guy, I, I forget, I think he said he was the guy was from the NRO that had developed the pattern They they there- can
2: pass through barriers that almost nothing else can pass through.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So maybe so that- there's
2: that. And I didn't know about the speed, but that would be interesting.
1: Right. I so, know. I mean, again, just that those kind of things came afterwards is, is interesting to me. Yeah. Um, and again, I'm going to, I'm going to link loose threads uh, in the description for everybody to read. It's a masterpiece. Um, and I, I think they're going to continue to update it a little here and there. They already, yeah, they, they
2: should. I think they should. They should publish it as a book. They should. I was I was so. saying to Omega uh, privately. I think, and um, it's very well written. It's it's a good read. Yeah. Aside from being really well researched.
1: Yeah, it's not a bad For read. Sure.
3: My special guest says hello and that he absolutely loves you guys. Really, <laughs> uh, we
2: love him right back. All right,
3: all right, you guys. Oh. I, on that note, I should get going. All right. So uh, it's, it's thanks. been great
1: we'll all talk again sorry soon.
3: james for the interruptions i greatly apologize but hey, it was a, u- a unique situation going on on my Very end. good okay. seeing you melinda yeah. yeah thank you richard thank you
2: all right take care and, guys. Uh,
3: th- thank you james for having me on i really appreciate of course. it
1: and good luck tonight
3: thank you i will i'll have feedback for everybody i'm sure yes. <laughs> all right all right bye right. bye bye
2: bye oh my goodness i adore her she is so good well are we um